Episode 86 of the Reptile Gummo Podcast, or the second episode of Hottoberfest. Mm-hmm. Katie loves that name, Hottoberfest. So much. <laughs> I just wish it was Hottober. Like, just leave it at Hottober. It is Hottober. Are you outside today? Jesus Christ. Oh, I my. I wanted to die at recess today. It was humid. The breeze was it's hot. Damp. It's like being in an oven. It was unacceptable yeah. today, and I hated every moment it of like it. like being in a wet oven. It was, I did not enjoy recess. I today. walked outside this morning. The sun wasn't even up yet, and I was sweating my ass off. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty warm in the shop today too, running the machine. I don't oh, know. I imagine. I don't know what Ugh. the hell happened, but it needs to stop. I have like six it's fans a, right there, though. So it, it's supposed to rain later this week, and then drop to like the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yes, supposed to be in the fifties Saturday morning. Fall football weather. <laughs> yes, I am still in grade school. I teach third grade. Thank you so much. Our, our guest in the green room. I know it's okay. It's okay. We won't hold it against him. He's much smarter than I am. Much smarter than all of us. <laughs> Although that doesn't take much on this podcast. If we're being honest, let's just be real. Um, so anyways, let's jump into uh, what we got to talk about. First, let's do our sponsors. Absolutely. Katie. So if you are looking for a high quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available or you can pick up at a Herps Reptile show near you. Visit LSReptileRacks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. I hate you, James. One of these days, one of us is going to reach out and slap you. I'm going to put that on the board. I'm going to find the original oh I'm thinking I'm going to put it on the board so I can hit a button. You know what's really great is I started reading that before I had it pulled up. But you know what you don't have one for? I don't have one for Wiregrass Exotics because I am a slacker of epic proportions. So if you are in the southeast uh, Alabama area or uh, southwest Georgia or the Panhandle of Florida, go by our buddies at Wiregrass Exotics in Ozark, Alabama. They had a bunch of uh, old vision cages for sale. See that? I think he sold them. Did he sell them? That was a lot of old vision cages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, go by and check Which out. Are pretty good cages. Yeah, well, they're they were um, they're solid. They're solid molded mm-hmm. cages. No one does that anymore. There was those things would hold water like a fish tank if you wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, go by and check out Dallas and Amanda and see their awesome uh, reptile shop and their venomous snake room. They got the big old window. You can see their venomous snake room through there. Uh, they are amazing people. Go by check out Wiregrass Exotics in Ozark, Alabama. Also, Herps Reptile Shows. Let's go ahead and get those out of the way real quick and talk about our Herps Reptile shows. We've got... It felt weird not having a Herp show this weekend. That's true. Robert this had a show. This past weekend. You had a show this past weekend. Not a Herp show. No. Yeah. Yours is a Lone Star. It was very show. strange for me. But Next Herp show is Temple. Temple, which we won't be at. We will not. Because will be. our kid has two make-up softball games on that Saturday. Well, that Friday night, she has a percussion ensemble <laughs> performance. Kids. kids ruin everything. I'm so excited. To see her play the xylophone. I'm not excited to see um, a bunch of fifth graders play the xylophone. It's right fourth now. and fifth grade. The only thing worse is if they were accompanied better. by like recorders. It's gonna. Be, you never know. I swear <laughs> to God, <laughs> if, if someone pops out a recorder, I'm leaving. I'm not watching elementary kids uh, play recorders. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to talk to her music teacher. I don't even right think they, they do that anymore. Do you remember as a kid like you had your own? Oh recorder? no, they teach it because we have friends from college who are music education majors in elementary school, and they straight up teach the recorder still. How is that the instrument they settled on? I don't know, but it's fabulous. 
But I remember, I remember getting, you could buy your own recorder. <laughs> I don't know how much it was. And that way you had your own. And it's, <sighs> it's a fucking horrible Okay. Instrument. Anyways, but we have, we have parental obligations that weekend. Yes. Yeah, so we won't be at Temple, but that is October 23rd and 24th. Uh, and then on the clear on the other side of the country here, it might as well be, is the Amarillo, Texas show, October 30th and 31st. They are doing some Halloween stuff. So, uh, come in costume. I won't be there at that show either because that's like 15 days from here. Right, Still I'm, in Texas. The closer it gets, the more I'm dreading that drive. It's just, it's just, it's a long drive through fucking nothing. It's, it's, it's exhausting. Well, on the last time that you made that drive, Robert, James was with you. Yes, and he drove so home the, the last like yes. six hours. So the two of you swapped out, and mm-hmm. so I think I drove the entire way up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, there was one spot I think where I started driving somewhere. We got, I don't know, maybe. But yeah, because you're just like, I'm gonna stop here, and then you didn't stop. You just kept driving. I'm bad about that. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to stop in like 50 miles Although, and you can start driving. With that, so. with that said, there is nowhere to fucking stop up there because there's nothing up there. Well, well some a- people here are really bad about saying, I'm going to pull over and let you drive and then pull over on the side of the interstate so no. that we can swap. No, 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 no. <laughs> I get told, go ahead and pull over right here so we can swap. Because you're falling asleep at the wheel. I figure it's probably safer to pull over than fall asleep <sighs> at the wheel. After Amarillo, we get to go back to Louisiana for some good food. Yes. Back to Lafayette, Louisiana, November 6th and 7th. Uh, I have taken a ton of pre-orders for that show in the last week. Well, that's good. Thanks for the show. Uh, And then is the Austin, Texas show, which I'm excited about the Austin, Texas show on December 4th and 5th because that's at the new venue. Yeah. Uh, So we won't be up on top of each other at the old venue. And then is the last show of the year, Slidell, Louisiana, December 11th and 12th. Uh, that should be a good show. Yeah, that should be a big show. Being the last show before Christmas, and yeah, and the New Orleans show didn't happen because of the hurricanes. Yeah, we haven't had a New Orleans show this year. Oh no, we haven't had one since last whenever September October. I know uh, since we had uh, since we had that really cool hotel room downtown. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, I've only done one New Orleans show because the first one last year got canceled. And then we had the second one. And then both of them this year have been canceled. So we did the one where the world shut down. Yeah, y'all well, were there. Like we were there, and then and then a week later, they're like, "Oh, by the way, New Orleans is a hot spot, and everybody has a virus." Yeah, yeah. I had his nurse at school check him out because I'm like, "We were just there, and he we doesn't there. feel good." It there was, was a day where I was like, was I, felt, "I felt bad," but I had no temperature, and I was good, and I was like, "All right, I just feel like crap today." Well, you didn't have a temperature or anything when you actually had COVID. When I had COVID, so. I know I could have had COVID then, I guess, and just I. I, have uh, I just don't. I just don't suffer from it. So, anyways, uh, also check out Herp's Reptile, uh, Exotic Reptile and Pet know, Store. Pet Store. I messed that one up. In Bryan, Texas. Just go to Bryan, Texas, and search for the Reptile Store. It's got the big purple and green sign out front. Uh, go in. Uh, make fun of James Bergoli. He'll be behind the desk. He's the bald guy, short bald guy. You can't miss him. Make fun of him. It's great. And then. Um, Oh, Look, our friend Douglas uh, du- Ray White oh, is in the not, chat. That is not how you say his name. No, it's not. That is Douglas Ray White. <laughs> Doug got his racks assembled that I took to him last weekend. And that had the, to be hilarious to watch. And then in the picture he sent me, there's a deer in his snake room. He's like deer approved. I guess they have a pet deer. I'm sorry, like a live deer? Well, like a white-tailed deer. We probably shouldn't <gasps> say that because that's illegal. Uh, you know, maybe it was an <laughs> we, exotic. We won't uh, say it was an axis deer, which is We legal. won't say where he's from. Yeah. I do know that he uh, he got okay to get an extra snake room built. Oh, my stars. We, She's given up her big old bathroom? No, no, no. She doesn't want to give up. Oh, well, she, she doesn't want to give up the rest of her house. So, there's 100% oh. a deer in his fucking snake room. <laughs> Doug, Douglas it. Ray Watt is the most... That's, 
That's ridiculous. Whoops. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Anyways. Oh, and then I got to point out our awesome sign back here uh, from Focus Cubed. I just love that sign. Mm-hmm. Douglas Ray Wyatt says it's an axis deer. There you go. Yep, there we go. That's yeah. that's that, you're good there. That's because it's still got spots. Yeah, I mean, axis deer always have spots. Always, it's an axis. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So okay, it's moving a on. Spotted deer. Uh, before we go any further, oh, also our giveaway this month. Do not forget to go by. We only had one person put in for the giveaway this month, and that's an awesome giveaway. And I'm really pissed off. It's it's the Venom Life Mandala made by our friends over at Crafty Gargoyles. Um, it's amazing looking. Plus a fifty dollar gift card. To Venom Life online, you buy hats and shirts and all sorts of stuff. There's a million products now for Venom Life. All you have to do is go online, answer three questions. It takes like, I don't know, five, less than five minutes to research them. They are venomous snake and snake bite related questions. You can thank Brent for that, but I like them. So go by, answer those questions, and then you're in the drawing. That's all you got to do. It's an amazing drawing, and I'm really upset that I can't win the mandala. I want a mandala to put on my wall. John right. Feely's in the group. He found a long nose snake this morning. I want to find a long nose. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a I nice, don't know what that nice is size either. one too. It's a really we have to go for I'm just going to start Googling stuff because I don't, I don't really know. We have to go out west. I want to find a long nose snake. And I want to find a patch nose snake. I don't know what that is oh, either. The ranch in Junction. They were all over the dirt road going back there. Patch nose where? They're cool little colubrid snakes that I've never found. So I type in long nose and I get long nose dinosaur. That's not a thing. That, it could be a thing. You don't is know. It? You're not a paleontologist. It wasn't one time maybe, but it's not now. I mean, it's definitely not a thing now. Mm. Whatever it is. Uh, well, the picture of it is a skull. It's not even like a... Well, yeah, because they're dead. Anyways. Would you want an actual picture? Well, you th- Polaroid wasn't around computers. back then, 65 million years ago. No, but they- never mind. Just go. <laughs> Introduce our guest. Well, I, hold on. I'm trying to get through the... Like, say, I got that. Uh, there was something else I want to say, and I'll probably think of it later. <clears throat> so, we'll go ahead. I'm super excited about our guest this week. Uh, I know you and I have talked about having him on, and then this month came up, and it was Hot Toberfest, and it was all venomous related, and it just seemed perfect. So I'm going to bring on our guest. You're staring at me like a- No, I was reading the comments. I did that didn't. Why make did sense. Victor Lorena say farts? No, it says fat. Oh, no, that, says that farts. farts on that's, you because that's because what a long he, nose it was does. A typo. It says, oh, that's right. They do which fart. Which is the snake that facts when you mess with it? And I was like, what? But <laughs> that is the snake that farts. farts. Okay, got us all talk. Thanks a lot, Victor. I right. smell like bitter snake all day at work. <laughs> so our guest this week, and bring on is Doctor Spencer Green. How's it going, Doctor? Good. Just call me Spence. It's not much fun. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure our other friends that also have every single a one doctor. Of they're like, just just call me by my name. Just call me it's Travis. Just just call me Warren. <laughs> I I don't know. Don't why. call me Warren. No. <laughs> uh, so for those that don't know, uh, I guess give a small intro to because you got like five million titles and there was no way I could put them in here. I was like. So, for example, I had no clue who you were. That's messed up. Well, well I mean, that's why I'm on this podcast, because I don't know anything. But I basically Googled you um, and then asked around. And they're like, this is who you talk to if you need help with anything venomous if you are bitten. If you need a real doctor... That sounds awful because it sounds like the other people no, that are doctors it's not are not. Awful. I've, this I've is seen, like white coat doctor. There we go. No, I've seen what some if of the other people have had doctors tell them. Doctor, this is who you go to. Okay. Although Travis, right, let, let, let the man give us a Let him oh, go ahead. Lord. Jesus Christ, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, again, I'm Spencer Green. I am a medical toxicologist and emergency physician. Uh, I'm the director of toxicology at HCA Houston Healthcare at Kingwood. 
and I'm a clinical professor at the University of Houston College of Medicine. And since 2013, I've been directing the Houston Venom Conference, which is one of the largest conferences in North America devoted to envenomations and envenomation management. Uh, what else? I'm involved with a lot of snake groups on Facebook, including National Snake Bite Support, where all we do is answer questions about snake bites and proper management and try to get uh, doctors and other healthcare professionals and patients all on the same page so that people can get the best outcomes. Yeah, that site. So that Facebook group, if you, if you join it, anybody out there, else, you feel free to join it. Just don't comment. Like, well, you can comment on any post that we make, you just, and you can, of course, start your own posts. Just don't comment on someone else's because that's a no-no, especially if we're dealing with an active bite. Even if it's like a well-intentioned comment, like, oh, I hope your dog survives. You know, it's just it's distracting. We get a lot of notifications. Um, we want to keep things nice and clean. But you can always start your own posts. You know, if you have a question based on something someone else said, you can just say, hey, someone asked about this. What? You know, blah, blah, blah. So you can post. Just don't comment on an active bite. But when I post, you can comment all you want, you know, <laughs> just keep it clean because it's a family site. Um, in fact, several members of my family are on the sites up to and including uh, two of my cats who share a Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, I, uh, I already knew that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't censor what they say. It's up to them to type in. And, you know, sometimes it's gibberish, but that's okay. Sometimes what our members type is gibberish. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, I, so I – Every now and then those, those come up and like they're serious. Like someone's bit and like they're, there's a picture of the bite. And then there's just like people start throwing out, well, my grandpa said to do this. And then my, I'm like, guys, shut up. You're not doctors. Yeah. So often we want to comment more snarkily than I do. I'm, I'm pretty snarky as it is, but there's sometimes I just be like, oh, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it works. We actually had a, I had uh, two bites the last two days and one of them came to me because of, National Sequence Support, so that was awesome. So I was happy about that. I'm trying to read all the comments. I'm trying to stop trying to read all the comments. Katie, your job is to read okay, comments. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so were you a reptile person first or a doctor who started to specialize in this? How'd that happen? So it's actually interesting. You know, people ask me this story so many times. I wrote a little thing on my phone that I can provide whenever people ask. It's called How a Jewish How, how a Jew from New York Became Interested in Snake Bites. Um <laughs> So when I was a little kid, I wanted to be an ice hockey player because mm -hmm. the Islanders had a dynasty back in the early 80s. Um, well, actually really in the early 70s, I should say, or late 70s. So then like when I turned five, I'm like, I want to be a doctor. And from five to eight, I want to be an ophthalmologist, and I have no idea why. Um, but that's what I want to do. And then once I turned 18, I'm like, all right, I want to be a doctor, but I don't know what I want to do. And you know, I thought about all different specialties. And then finally, I settled on emergency medicine, you know, and I became an EMT and a paramedic. So when I went to medical school, I knew I was doing emergency medicine. And for all but six hours of medical school, it was like emergency medicine. And I loved everything about emergency medicine. And ironically, one of the things I liked about emergency medicine was that when I was on, I was on. And when I was off, I was off. I say that ironically because I'm literally on 24-7, 365 now as a toxicologist by practicing by himself. But um, anyway, when I graduated from residency, I went down uh, – pardon me. When I graduated from medical school, I went down to residency and – um, of all the three classes, I was really the only one who had a real interest in EMS. So I was doing teaching, even as an intern, I was teaching at the paramedic program. I was teaching a class for medical students and I figured, all right, my, my future's in EMS medical direction. But then I met an amazing toxicologist, the toxicologist at our hospital, who at the time was president of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine, uh, pardon me, of clinical toxicology. And I just, I loved what she did. And, you know, she had this body of knowledge that most people never learn. Most doctors never learn. And I loved everything about tox. I loved the overdoses and 
the occupational exposures, the plants, the mushrooms, the envenomations, the substance abuse, everything. And I knew, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So when I completed residency, I could have done a fellowship right away, but I had a military obligation to fulfill. And I figured I would just do that first. So I went out to Ohio to write Patterson Air Force Base and Wright State University. And I started teaching talks uh, for the residency program. I basically started out a few months ahead of the residents, but, you know, over the course of a few years, I learned a lot and, and you know, taught them. But uh, again, I had no specific interest within toxicology. I just loved everything about it. But then I went out to Iraq and uh, I can't really talk about what I did so much until 2031 because I signed a 25 year non-disclosure statement, but I was with a special ops group. And from a military standpoint, it was really exciting. From a medical standpoint, it was preposterously boring. I had one patient every two weeks. That's it. good. That's good, though. Uh, right? Pardon me. One patient every two. Well, yeah, but as a doctor, I was like, come on. Um, in fact, one time I held uh, a special operator hostage just so I had someone to talk to. I wouldn't even, like, treat him until I told him what was happening with some <laughs> baseball games I was watching. Uh, and incidentally, it's not wise to hold a special operator hostage because they know how to kill in 40 different ways. And I only know how to kill in like 10 ways, but, um, oh but nonetheless, he did not kill me. And, uh, and the Mets won that game. I was very happy. But here's the thing. When I was in Iraq, I, I love the weather. It was 135 degrees. I'm like, damn, I love this. This is great. Ugh. And uh, I found a snake on our property and I became kind of fascinated with the local fauna. And I'm like, you know what? This is really cool. We have snakes here. We have scorpions. We have camel spiders. We have things that can actually hurt you. Um, you mean camel spiders that get the size of St. Bernard's? Oh my God. That's what the internet told me. You know what? The internet's good for like cat pictures and, you know, (laughs) mediocre porn. But, uh, (laughs) the the cat, the camel spiders, oh my God, they're like yay big. The guys who, who were providing protection for our base, they would put a camel spider and a scorpion in a ring and the scorpion would kill the camel spider in like five seconds. They're about as intimidating as tapioca you know it's they're nothing but anyway i became kind of fascinated with all these critters i'm like you know what i'm gonna go do my fellowship somewhere warm where i can learn all about snake bites and other animations so i went out to phoenix which historically treats the most bites in the country and uh that's been my path ever since you know i love the snake bites i went down to tucson i was the fellowship director there and i'm like all right this and then i moved to houston basically to start up a, a toxin snake bite service and that's what i've been doing since there's a That's interesting awesome. path to, to this. It, it, it's crazy, you know. So I've only been doing snake stuff for 15 years. Um, you know, growing up, I, ne- I mean, I didn't dislike snakes. I was just ambivalent. I didn't, you know, I didn't see them. I didn't care. So I'm assuming you yeah. don't own any snakes. I do own a snake. I have a snake oh. right there, in fact. What is it? Um, I don't know. Cobra? No, no kidding. He's a corn snake. <laughs> uh, for the older listeners, he is named Pliskin. For Snake Pliskin from Escape from New York. Um, yeah. He is 13 years old. His birthday is August 13th, 2008. Oh, what and, uh, yeah. I just love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't ever have people that are as dorky as I am. This is so fabulous. Could you not call our guest dorky? That'd be awesome. <laughs> She said some nice things earlier. So. <laughs> We're embracing it. She surrounded that horrible thing by a bunch of nice I things. I love it. Right. It was like a shit sandwich. So, yeah. Look, I teach her so great. Nice at the end. We're fine. I teach children how to embrace their dorky side on a daily basis. 
Okay, as long as you don't teach adults how to embrace children, because that's illegal. <laughs> Very much so. That is true. That is don't do don't don't. That do used that. to be my especially no. putting those people in jail. Yes. That, that was, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you qualified that. Yeah. <laughs> as I was saying, I was like, I better end this with oh, a qualification. God. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, so I have a snake. I have a dog, and right now we have eight cats in the house. Oh God! You were telling us beforehand that you. That you are, you do cat rescues, like foster cats. So, do you have yes. any that and are like, cats too? I was going to say, do you have any that are permanent residents? Oh yeah, we have seven cats who live upstairs, and then we keep the foster cats down here. We kind of specialize in the ringworm kitties, so we have two different rooms that we use for different groups of ringworm. Right now, we only have one, but we're getting five more tomorrow. Oh, so many cats! At least they're inside. They are. Oh, absolutely. They are indoor I, animals. I'm not a cat person, but I'm definitely not an outdoor cat person. I, I love that. cats, but I am so allergic. I don't like animals. I'll take that back because I, I like snakes and they don't give a fuck about me. But I don't like animals that know they don't give a fuck about you. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like cats. Cats have a very similar personality to you, no. which I think is why you don't like cats. So you're saying he licks himself a lot? I mean, if I could. <laughs> I'm just not that flexible. If not for flexibility, yeah. Oh... I love it. Uh, oh, we had a question from the chat. I'll just do that real quick. So before it disappears, okay. it was for you. It says, what is your opinion on the new research about copperhead venom and breast cancer? That's been something that's been going on for a while, though, hadn't it? That's not. It's been going on for a long time. Um, I'll be honest. This isn't my area of expertise. You know, I treat yeah. people who get envenomated. I don't treat people with venom yet. But um, I haven't looked into it in a while. But it was my understanding it is kind of stalled a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean it's stopped. It just means... You know, right now, maybe they're not working with it as much. But, you know, just a reminder, there are a million different things for which we've used venom therapeutically. You know, anyone who's on an ACE inhibitor can thank, you know, the Jararaca for that. And, of course, there are other reptiles like the Gila monster that provide, you know, the, the basis for Xenotide, Vieta, the diabetic drug. So there's certainly benefits in venom being used as therapeutics. But to my knowledge, they're not really... It's not fast-tracked right now. There are other things that they're looking at that have proved to be a little more effective. But, you know, it's still it's still out there. And who knows? Maybe they'll discover other things in the upcoming weeks, months, years. But, you know, that's kind of outside my area of expertise. I always I, that, that always floats around every year. I always see that, but I haven't seen anything yeah. past. Especially this month in October. Yes. Yeah, and you see that get passed around. Yeah. So you're here. You're doing – you're in Houston, but – it's funny watching like on online, you are the go-to for pretty much anyone in the country. If they have a question about how to treat a bite, well, it's, I you- mean, I'm one of them, you know, I've always joked, well, not joked. I, I've always said I'm like a second tier snake bite expert. You know, there are easily, you know, a dozen or more, maybe two dozen people in the country who know way more than I do, who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Um, you know, I know my stuff, but you know, there are, you know, easily 15, 20 people who know even more, who knew this much longer. Um, I'm just like the most accessible, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook several hours a day. I'm, I'm always reachable and I like talking about snakes and snake bites. And, you know, I think <laughs> some of the older people are maybe not as good at social media, you know, yes. uh, maybe they have arthritis or press biopia so they can't <laughs> see the screen and I don't know. But so, I mean, I answer a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff and I do have one of the busiest services in the country. I know that, you know, I, you know, by the end of the year, I may treat 80 bites at the bedside, plus however many hundred over the phone and on the, over the computer. But no, I am not the guy. I am a guy. Well, I know, like, Dr. Sean Bush got big Animal Planet. I mean, that was one thing everybody watched him on Animal Planet, and so they saw him yep. there. And so that's one, I know that's one big name. You see him a lot uh, on 
people comment about him online too. Yep. Um, yeah, I was hanging out with him last week in Denver. Yeah, that was – we had several friends that went up to that. Um, I'm looking forward to the Houston next year is, is the – Me conference. too, June 3rd and 4th at the Texas Medical Center at the Western Hotel. They have Hotel. a show that weekend. I don't have a show. I'm going to Tickets be- are not available yet. I want to go to it. I think it's the Lafayette show. I think it is. But I'm going to go – I'm going to this. I'm going to go to this. It is the Lafayette show. Y'all have fun, Lafayette. I'm, I'm going to go Houston. What? You saying? I mean, I want to go. <laughs> so I might not understand much. I won't bring any cats so you can survive. <laughs> <laughs> Always appreciated. Uh, Laura asked a question. She said, what is the biggest issue you find with treatment on North American venomous bites? Lack of administration of antivenom when warranted? That was a Absolutely. question. That was a question. Uh, so, you know, a lecture I give all the time are like the 12 most common mistakes or the dirty dozen mistakes or – you know, what the hell are you thinking? Or what, you know, depending on the audience, I, I changed the title. But there are a lot of mistakes. I mean, unfortunately, snake bites are not something that a lot of people are taught well, if at all. Um, there are parts of the country where they're just never taught anything. And even places like Houston and Southeast Texas, where snake bites are common, people are often given misinformation from an older generation of physicians, and they just perpetuate misinformation. Uh, it's frustrating, and, you know, that's why I'm here, to, to educate people to change things. But I would say the two most common mistakes I see doctors make, because, uh, you know, there's different mistakes made pre-hospitally, et cetera. But the two most common mistakes are they don't watch patients long enough, so they don't even realize how bad things get. And then they end up coming to me the next day, and they're much worse. It's like, oh, fuck it. Why don't they just watch them longer? I've seen that on, on not, Facebook groups. People go home. They're sitting home. All the time. And then it's just it's getting worse while they're sitting at home. And like I've seen yeah, like I mean, I, parents post like their kid, and I'm like, I feel horrible for that parent with their kids yeah, sitting there swelling up the and in pain. You know, I, I do expert work, and I was involved in a case where they watched a guy with a rattlesnake bite for an hour and a half after his bite. An hour and a half. Jeez. And he's, they sent him home and said, oh, you know, follow up with your regular doctor. You know, five hours later, and this is a young, healthy guy with no medical problems. Five hours later, he went to another hospital. His labs were, you know, critically, you know, abnormal, where his platelet counts were were seven or eight, which is almost not, yeah, eight. His prothrombin time was unmeasurable. His fibrinogen was undetectable. Within 24 hours, he had these huge hemorrhagic, you know, blisters in his leg. He spent eight days in the ICU. Totally inexcusable. And that was actually a pretty big settlement, uh, you know. But uh, so they don't watch them long enough, and they don't pull the trigger when it's indicated. You know, for so many reasons, doctors don't treat anti- with antivenin when they should, whether they think it's unsafe or they think it's not worth the expense or they think, you know, that most bites will recover just fine, you know, in no time without it. Or even if they understand that they won't recover – in no time, they just figure because they'll recover eventually, not really thinking about what's best for the patients. So, yeah, for so many reasons, they don't pull the trigger when they should. And it's, it's frustrating. And that's why we're trying to educate as many people as we can, because we want healthcare professionals to know what to do. And we want patients to know how to advocate for themselves. I, I just I got to imagine uh, you're talking to other doctors, people that went to school for medicine, and then you see them make like simple mistakes. I guess it's a, I assume they're simple. By now, you would assume that they would know these basic things, like like to watch them long enough, or that you know, anti venom is is not because I've I've seen a lot of people go, well, we're not going to use anti venom, and then you see how bad it gets when they don't do anything. It's got to drive you nuts, and there's got to be a better way to get that education out there. I just don't know what it is. I mean, we're doing you know, my colleagues and I do what we can. We do these conferences. We go on television. We go on radio. We you know, I do lectures. I mean, I lecture you know, nationally or regionally 50 times a year, um, you know, just get the word out. And, you know, fortunately there's some general 
medical and general emergency medicine groups on Facebook as well. And you know, there are a few of us that they recognize, hey, these are the guys who deal with the sink waste. So they'll, they'll ask us questions, you know. Um, but honestly, I think it has to be a, a, a two-pronged approach, you know, educating <clears throat> the healthcare professionals, but also educating the patients and then having them advocate for themselves in a not demanding sort of way, but in a respectful sort of way. Because when they come and say, I want this, you know, for every time someone does something right, you know, they're going to say, you know, there's going to be 10 times when they Google something and, you know, ask for something dumb or dangerous. And that kind of wounds their credibility. So, you know, we try to teach people how to advocate for themselves politely, respectfully, and accurately. You know, like, you know, like I had a, a patient once with a little head in, you know, head lack and the mother was like demanding an MRI, which will never happen. You don't even do an MRI for head trauma, but you know, she read something on the internet and you know, so people like that make it more difficult. Well, and it's, uh, snake bites are, and snakes in general are one of those areas that have so many wives tales that oh, have been yeah. passed around for so long that so many believe them as fact. Even when a doctor like yourself tells them what it is, they can't get it out of their mind because their grandma or grandpa told them something and it's been true their entire life. So what you say can't be true now. And that's got to be hard to overcome. Yeah. That, you know, we're getting there slowly but surely. You know, there was a time uh, at my you know previous hospital where the surgeons were involved with all the same place. And their approach was antibiotics, maybe surgery, almost never antivenom. You know, by the time I left, it was antivenom, almost never antibiotics, almost never surgery. Or really, never antibiotics, never surgery. What is it? I'm going to mess up it up. Is it a fasci- fasciotomy? Fasciotomy. That was the old, yeah. like. Cut it open or else it's going to explode, right? And that's yeah, that is not or, the way to go. And you just you don't have to do that. This is a medical emergency, best handled with medicine by you know medical toxicologists and other snake bite specialists. So what is the what is the danger of, for anybody out there? The danger of a fasciotomy because I know okay. uh, like Roberts always said, if he gets bit, he's not going to let them cut him open. Okay, so there's a few. First and foremost, you know the idea of a fasciotomy is to prevent the pressures in the fascial compartments from getting too high because when the pressures get too high, they can compress nerves and blood vessels and, you know, the tissue can die. So, so that's the theoretical benefit of fasciotomy. But and here's the thing. What is it? What's what? Uh, for Katie, what is a fasciotomy? God. So a fasciotomy is when you do surgery to open up those compartments. So if everything's oh, tight, gotcha. it's like slicing it open. But here's the thing. Number one, in St. Mike's, we don't really see elevated compartment pressure very often. It's you know, commonly misdiagnosed because the venom effects are usually above the fascial compartments in the soft tissue. So we don't really see actual compartments in there very often. The other thing is if the pressures are elevated, that's a sign of a bad envenomation, but that's not what's causing the badness. It's the venom effects. So if you open up the compartments, what you're doing is you're making this big scar that often leaves a deformity and a disability but you're not solving the problem. So the muscle still ends up dying because of the venom. On the other hand, if you treat the venom with antivenom, then the pressures normalize. So you don't really have to do surgery to solve the problem. You have to treat the envenomation. You know, the elevated pressures are a marker of the badness, but they don't cause the badness. Uh, for medical people, I often use an analogy of toxicity from the drug digoxin, uh, you know, a heart medication. When you overdose on that acutely, you'll get really high potassium. And if you just treat the high potassium but not the digoxin toxicity, the patient still dies. But if you treat the patient correctly, the potassium normalizes. So, yeah, a fasciotomy, it causes this big, ugly scar that often results in disability and, you know, disfigurement. And it doesn't solve the problem. 
So it's all risk, no benefits. Yeah, I, I've seen pictures of that, and it's just it's horrible. Plus, anytime you open up to the body to the environment, you risk infection and a whole bunch of other things yeah. that yeah, are there's not necessary. A bunch of papers showing the complication rate. Actually, one of the first blogs I wrote, um, you know, I, I write a blog for BTG. Uh, the manufacturers of Crofab, and it's available on the BTGSP.com website. I read that today. And the first one I wrote was a chance to cut is a chance to leave a scar, you know, because the old adage is a chance to cut is a chance to cure. And that's true for some, you know, legitimate surgical conditions. But when it comes to this, all you're doing is leaving a scar and, you know, you're not helping. I did, I did read, I read your latest blog post, and it was funny because there were a couple of things in there that made me laugh because I think it, one, you talk about watching a TV show where they get bit. Scorpion, and then, yeah. And then they go out and they're like, we're going to go find this and make anti-venom. And you're like, that's not how that works. I'm like, I've seen that in stuff and gone, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not how any of this works. There's a reason I have a, a little beer and wine fridge so close to the television. Because anytime I see shit like this, I'm like, oh, I need to uh, I'm, I'm the worst on anything animal related. Like, I can't help but, like, say something out loud about when it's wrong. And, like, it's really bad. I, I like to watch Naked and Afraid as much as that show is stupid. They just have tons of stock footage of snakes. And it doesn't matter where the fuck they are on Earth. They just use the stock footage, and it doesn't matter where that stock footage came from. So yep. they'll be in North America showing something from Africa, and I'm like, that's that's not right at all. I've never seen the show, but I heard that like they were in like Asia, and they were showing pictures of water moccasins. Yes, yes, it, it happens all the time. And I'm like, I just I pause it, and I just can't help but like my eye twitches. But yeah, yeah, that that's that's TV for you. But the other thing you said in there, I did like the, cause I, it was funny. As I was reading through, I was like, I gotta ask him this question. And then you answered it at the very bottom. I've always wondered the difference between anti-venom and anti-venom. And I felt like I was always wrong Either when I said anti-venom. As long as you don't hyphenate it, that pisses the shit out of me. <laughs> um, and my phone will do it to me sometimes to spite me. Like I, I dictate almost everything. So if you ever see one of my posts on Facebook that makes no sense, it's because I was dictating and it was a horrible transcription error but yeah my phone will hyphenate it just to piss me off um either one's fine i prefer anti-venom the associated press prefers anti-venom that's fine just don't hyphenate it. but it's the same thing same thing okay it's the same thing yeah you know we speak english here so we use anti-venom <laughs> right and it makes and it makes sense to me I mean, it's venom and then there's the thing that goes against it anti-venom it just makes sense right. but it comes originally from the french words you know venin, yeah venin and anti-venom or not fancy so. <laughs> not on this podcast <laughs> so <clears throat> i want to say we, we said something we had an episode earlier this year where we talked about there's a new anti-venom out now uh also in there it's not just because it was crofab for a while was the big one but then now there's a second one or a third so, one yeah it's not really new i mean it's been around since 94 it got approved for rattlesnakes uh in 2015 it became available on the market in 2018 and then in april of this year it got approved for copperheads and cottonmouths as well. So we have two antivenoms that are FDA approved for all North American pit vipers. Does, has that helped at all on the cost side? Because I know it's expensive to get antivenoms. It, it has, yeah. You know, competition's good for, for business. Um, and, you know, there are some deals that have been made with various uh, drug companies and group purchasing organizations. So the price has gone down. Um, you know, the biggest problem, the biggest expense, well, expenses associated with the sink bite aren't the antivenom itself, but rather the hospital markup, which can still be five to 10 times as much. Yeah. And also um, some of the ICU stuff. Now, I'll be honest, most snake bites, uh, especially in Texas uh, and especially Southeast Texas, don't require ICU care. You know, there are some bad bites with serious systemic toxicity that absolutely have to go to the ICU, but I've literally never admitted a native snake bite to the ICU in Houston. 
They oh, wow. all go to the floor and they get managed uh, safely and efficiently and expertly. And they go home usually within a day on occasion, two days, but almost always within a day. And, uh, and you know, we can lower the costs of healthcare by just treating them efficiently on a floor. I don't send them to the ICU. They don't need intensive care. Now, like I said, sometimes you get really bad systemic toxicity. Someone's bleeding to death and their blood pressure's tanked or they have airway stuff. Then of course they need the ICU, but it shouldn't be done routinely. Yeah. I, I know that, uh, I'm wondering, have you ever had people when they come in refuse or want to refuse antivenom just because they're afraid of the cost? Absolutely. And it sucks. It's like, you know, they have a bite that would get better with it. And you're like, all right, well, you know, you'll probably get better. You'll probably get better fully. You might not. It may take months. Um, you know, I'm not going to force it on them. Um, you know, I always have a, a legitimate, you know, heart to heart with them. I'm like, look, this is why I'm recommending it. And, you know, maybe you can't afford it right now, but the hospital can work with you. But, you know, if you don't get it now, you know, this isn't something you can decide on a week and a half later and it's going to have the same effect. It's most beneficial early. So, yeah, but absolutely it happens and it's heartbreaking. So that kind of brings me to this question. Another question I got asked, what are the most common after effects that you see after proper treatment from a venomous snake bite? After proper treatment? So, uh, besides sticker shock when they get the bill. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't return it. Yeah, I'll say, so two things. One, I'll say one serious thing and one facetious thing. Serious, you know, the good thing about proper treatments is that they usually recover fully, fairly fast. Some people do have a prolonged course and some people will have things like post-exertional swelling, especially if it's a, a lower extremity bite where if they stand for a long time, they'll get swelling. But the good thing about proper treatment is that reduces the likelihood. Um, you know, serum sickness, which is a reaction to biological products, is really uncommon with our current antivenoms. It was so common, you know, before 2000 with the older product that we don't use anymore, that, you know, between 80 and 100% of people have got serum sickness. And sometimes it was severe, like bad serum sickness that required hospitalization. What we see now is really rare and pretty mild. It's like millennial serum sickness. It's like all light and weak and ugh. Um, yeah. So do you so, find do you find older doctors or older individuals who know about serum sickness from before? weary about using it now yeah a few do but i i so rarely find doctors who know about snake bites you know (laughs) now i will say my older colleagues who do manage snake bites like expertly the ones that i I look up to oh they i mean they treated tons of people like this they remember the bad ones you know it was sort of the tail end you know i I graduated from medical school in 2001 so i did use the older product for a little while before i switched completely to profab so Someone just, made a comment. I hear Wyeth is cheap nowadays. Yeah, Wyeth doesn't exist anymore. That, that uh, was uh, Max Hicks that made that comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but and then the other side effect, you know, uh, every once in a while I have a few of my patients who just you know fall madly in love with me afterward, and they you know they just worship me. So that's a, that's a side effect of proper treatments. I feel horrible for you. That's got to be bad. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard. I life. haven't had a, I haven't had a dangerous stalker yet, so that's good. That's <laughs> not over, and I did take care of a snake bite today, but. Oh, Oh, um, I was going somewhere and I forgot my brain went that I, I went off on that one. Uh, what is, so in this area, what is the most common native snake bite? Uh, is your area the same as yeah, my area? We're in, yeah, we're oh, in Houston. Okay. Oh, copperheads by far. I mean, I see like 75% copperheads. Um, this year's weird. You know, I was at the medical center for not seven years. I can't do that. Seven years. And I had the numbers down to a T. It was like, what? Excluding the ones where we didn't identify the snakes, it was like 10% coral snakes, 5% rattlesnakes, 15% uh, 
uh, water moccasins and the rest were copperheads. Oh, now, wow. up in Kingwood, it's like 75% copperheads and, again, of the known ones, 70% copperheads and 25% water moccasins. I haven't had a single coral snake bite this year. So I'd be surprised coral snakes. Year. I was surprised you said 10% coral snake. That's the, I just, yeah, oh, and yeah, in 2017, I saw, you know, 10 coral snakes at the bedside. I saw, um, and I was called that, you know, a significant number of coral snakes elsewhere. You know, I feel like I, I manage maybe a quarter of all the coral snake bites in the country. Um, and I love coral snakes. And the funny thing is I can't find them in the wild. My kids will go to the Arboretum and they'll find them. And they'll take pictures and troll me. Like, ha, I found another one. <laughs> We relocated one once. We did relocate. I, I can find water moccasins. I can find copperheads. I can find all the rougher snakes I want. I found one yesterday morning, but I can't for the life of me find a damn coral snake. <laughs> and I love them. I I do love coral snakes. I, I I would imagine most of the bites from a coral snake aren't. They got people like working around in gardens or kids or something because I can't imagine they're out and about and people getting bit like on the ankles and stuff. It's got to be like hands, I'd imagine. Well, yeah. So it, it's interesting. You know, one of the things I do a lot of work on is snake bite epidemiology. I, I can't speak for shit, but snake bite epidemiology. And, uh, you know, I've published three papers on this. And uh, one of the things we're always emphasizing is that in general, contrary to popular belief, most bites are not the result of intentional interaction. Most bites happen when people step on or near the snake or stick their hand into the snake's vicinity. You know, in our paper, we're looking at data from the North American Snake Bite Registry, which is data I trust more than any other because it's being collected at the bedside by people like me who care about snake bites. Um, we found that only 19% were the results of an intentional interaction. And oh. that's overall. But if you look only at coral snakes, you're right. It's the exact opposite. Almost every coral snake bite I've ever treated was the result of intentionally interacting with the snake. And only two were the result of unintentional interaction. Um, there was one woman who was walking in the dark and stepped on a coral snake. And the other one was a guy who dropped something in a bush and reached in and got bit. Everyone else was intentionally interacting with the snake. Now, I feel bad because some of them were kids who were trying to save the snake from the road or uh, one kid was trying to save the coral snake from his brother who had locked it up. You know, like they had imprisoned this coral snake and he was trying to liberate him. But uh, but it was still intentional interaction nonetheless. The best was a guy I took care of in June of 2016, June 29th actually, and uh, he got bit five times by a coral snake. He was in his house and he was afraid it was going to attack his family, which is ridiculous because coral snakes are the <laughs> biggest slugs ever. Oh but he grabbed it, got bit, grabbed it, got bit, grabbed it, got bit, grabbed it with the other hand, bit. Got, he got bit five times. Jesus Christ. Every time I think about it, <laughs> wow. The definition. Wow, that's crazy. Definition well, of in the, I think it was in the Tennessee Snake ID group today, there was a lady that said she was trying to shoo a copperhead out of a path in a park with a stick and some guy came up and picked it up and got oh, bit. Oh God. Oh, I got tagged. I get heard about that. I'm one. sure you did. Yeah. And, uh, they don't know what happened after that, but of course then that's where people started commenting, uh, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. And I was waiting for him to jump in, but there was like two of those posts going at the same time. And well, so, okay. So with the core, the copperhead, we'll come back to core, but copperheads, uh, talking about not being that big of a deal. Uh, and, and I kind of get where people come with that because, it's my understanding there's only been one account of death from a copperhead, and that was a uh, no, like, not not true at all. No, not okay. true at all. Hell, there've been there've been six confirmed copperhead deaths in the last thirty three years. Okay. Um, now, on the other hand, there's only been one confirmed coral snake death um, in the last fifty something years, and that's from an eastern coral snake. It was two thousand six. The guy was drunk, didn't seek medical attention, and right. there's never been ever been a documented human fatality from a Texas coral snake. 
But no, it fucking pisses me off because <laughs> two things. One, six people have died from copyright bites since 1989. And, and there were deaths before that as well, including one of a kid in 1970 uh, that was pretty well publicized. But even if you don't die, untreated or oh, undertreated, yeah. these people end up with prolonged or even permanent disability. So copyrights are being, which is why I had the, the post a few weeks ago, the blog, the Jacob Rodney Cohen of snakes, since, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. Um, yeah, there are more deaths from copyrights than there are from coral snakes. So people need to, you know, change their priorities and think, oh, well, that one's kill you. This is highly venomous, whatever the hell highly venomous means. Um, and then they minimize copyrights. It pisses me off because I'm, that's why doctors don't treat. They're like, oh, it's a copyright. No, bullshit. You treat them so they get better faster. Yeah, see, I'm a high school teacher Sorry, and I get, asked, this. Well, I get asked all the time as a, when I'm teaching stuff about snakes. I feel and all. like that is one of his soapboxes. I'm just going to throw that out Seriously. there. But yeah. I get asked by kids, because what's the most dangerous snake? I was like, the one that bites you. I was like, I'm not horrified of yeah. the one on the other side of the globe. That's not the deadliest whatever. I'm not. That always gets me the yeah. deadliest venomous I, I snake. I hate that question. I mean, and that's actually what led to my paper on snake bite fatalities because I hate the question, what's the most dangerous snake? Because how do you qualify or how do you quantify dangerous? It's easy to say what snake kills the most people, but even then it doesn't mean it's the most dangerous. It just means it has a lot of bites, you know, big geographic distribution or whatever. We found in our paper that the timber rattlesnake was responsible for the most deaths. But, you know, the Mojave... <laughs> has a higher untreated lethality rate. And I think that's probably the best way to compare snakes. What's the chance of you surviving or what's the chance of you dying if you go untreated? And with a Mojave, it's an untreated lethality rate of 30 to 40%. With a timber rattlesnake, it's about 10 to 20%. With a copperhead, it's about 1%. And yet there are more deaths from copperheads than there are from Western Diamondbacks because there's so many more copperhead bites. Yeah. And with the, the timbers, do you find a lot of those are religious services? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Every uh, single fatality attributed uh, to a snake in Kentucky and I think Alabama or Georgia, I can't remember which I one. I believe it. Was, yeah, it's in our paper. <laughs> you got to get, get into the mountains. All because of religious. You got to find your Pentecostals up in the mountains. I'm from Alabama. So yeah. it's See, it's funny that you my bring... My people don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> my chosen people don't they, do that sort of thing. I don't either. <laughs> Staff with a snake. Catholics don't do much with snakes. Um <laughs> so it's funny that you say that about like what's the most dangerous. So my dad was terrified of snakes, but he had a very high respect for them. Um, he actually worked with Auburn University um, to get indigos released at, on, on his hunting lease and everything like huge respect for them. When he would give guys like the tour of the grounds, he'd be like, there's a snake that lives there. It eats the mice that eats the feed. Don't kill it. You know, like he knew where they were on the grounds, but he was a firm believer that it was the most dangerous one is the one closest to me type of situation. It doesn't matter if it's venomous or not because it's a, it's a death by proximity type situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that one always gets you. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really afraid of king cobras. I don't foresee myself being in in the path of a king cobra. I'd be far more worried about stepping on a cottonmouth in the middle of grass that I can't see it. Good Max. Oh Lord. What is Max? The most dangerous snake is a trouser snake. Oh jeez. That's gonna last more last more than 18 years. <laughs> that is that is true. Uh-oh. For some people, the effects only last like about thirty seconds. <laughs> it's true, and there's, and there's, and there's no probably after, max, and there's no after effects, and so it's fine. Uh, I think, but you know, <coughs> the coral snake, I'm like, like, I figured it would be mostly kids. I mean, it's, it's a fairly brightly colored, pretty snake that, for the most part, <clears throat> is somewhat calm. And there have been people that have handled them and, and been fine, and they don't bite. The one that gets me the most and drives me fucking up the wall with them. They go, well, they're they're rear, well, they got to chew on you. 
Like they don't have to fucking chew on you. <laughs> Millions no, of years of evolution, so they don't have to chew on you. Yeah. Oh, I mean. Yeah, that that viral photo of you know the front fangs. You know, I think it was uh, Nathan Frankie who who posted it from M Toxins Lab. It's a great picture showing the front fangs. I'm like, this is not a rear fanged snake, idiot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one kills me. So I love that photo. It, it helps so much. So, what percentage of what you treat ends up being people with pets? Venomous pets. So this year is different. Again, I haven't had um, anyone come to me directly. I've gotten phone calls from my friends who've got bitten. But historically, I'd say about 25 to 30%, you know, a quarter to a third maybe. What's that, Pat? My friends with yeah. – I mean, so, well, I mean yeah. you'd hope it's none. That's really – This is true. Yeah. We have the case series of people who end up on the ventilator after getting bitten by monoclonal cobras. I could have renamed it "Idiot Friends of Mine Who Pet Their Snakes." Oh. Um, I love one of my friends, but and you're good for business. But um, yeah, and then I had one friend I treated for four of his five bites, but then he changed his lifestyle a little bit, and I haven't treated him for a bite since. So that's good. All right, four of his but, five yeah, bites. Yeah, historically times. about twenty-five to thirty percent were my people with captive bites. But this year, I've only gotten a few calls. I haven't seen any of my friends at the bedside. Um, I've had a few friends of friends who got bitten by snakes out in the wild and they knew to come to me because they were friends of friends, but yeah, nothing captive this year. Although I got called about four cobra bites in five weeks at the beginning of the pandemic last year because people were stuck at home playing with their snakes. Jesus. Jeez. So tell me that those four of the five, like you didn't treat his first bite, but you treated the last four of the five. Oh, his friend. Or was oh, it friend, like yeah. he came to you twice? Got his mad first at you bite and was before I met him. Okay, there yeah, we go. So he wasn't the guy that got bit by the coral snake five times. That wasn't. That, that wasn't. That's not five different bites. Oh my goodness! No, that was one guy. That was one guy in June. No, my friend who got the five bites. I treated the last four because I didn't know him for the first one. Okay, that makes a little more sense then. <laughs> I, and I'm glad to see the numbers aren't that high this year. I, I'm very worried. <laughs> the, cat, the cat looks so confused. <laughs> But I, I was very, I'm very worried with the he's way very, YouTube. He's, he's never been with me before. <laughs> the way YouTube goes, I'm far more afraid of the uptick in venomous snake bites just because of people seeing stupid things online and going, I should do that. And then going out and buying their own cobra and then realizing it's not a corn snake. Yeah. I mean, I think people should be allowed to own you know, venomous snakes, but I think there should be some sort of test or something. Just like it, You should have a license, not unlike a driver's license or a hunting license. And while we're at, we still have license to reproduce too. But I totally agree there. <laughs> I wish there was a way to fix everybody at birth and you have to pass a test to get unfixed. <laughs> I've seen idiocracy enough times to agree with that. I teach high school. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you see I, it every day. Those people will be considered adults in four years. Yeah. I told them today, I Stick said, my, my third grade. I told my kids, I was like, you'll be considered adults in four years. And I'm horrified. <laughs> Anyways, back to this. Oh, my gosh. What? I was trying to pull up the question. <laughs> this is why I don't teach high school. This is why I'll stick with my baby. High school, you can yell at them still. It's great. <laughs> I yell at them all the time. Um, <clears throat> oh, it was funny. So, I, I, I asked you a question to post on, on our Facebook page. Uh, and it was, if you were bit by a venomous snake, how do you think the doctor's treating you decide when to give antivenom? And several of them were they would call Dr. Green. Oh, yeah. I love that that was the <laughs> that answer. Was, I, before, I didn't even tell anybody that's where the question came from. But several of them were like, they'll call Dr. Green. I was like, oh, they didn't even know I was the guest. No, no they didn't know, we didn't tell they anybody. You were the guest. They just, that's you were the name they threw out there and said, that's who they're going to call. Um, that's pretty funny. 
was some stuff over here in the chat that I'd wanted to. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Do you, do you ever get bites for? Because uh, I've seen like we were at a show with a hog nose bite where it got pretty bad. Do you ever get anything like that? I do, and that's another thing that annoys me. People are like, oh, they can't cause harm in humans. Uh, I've seen that's it. not true. Yeah, it. It's scary. Rarely cause harm. Um, and I will say, I've never seen anything bad from an Eastern, only captive Westerns. Yeah. But I've seen some really bad local stuff. And, you know, my colleague Nick Brandhoff uh, wrote a case report of someone who had thrombocytopenia, you know, locally what's from a, a Western hognose bite. But um, we do see tissue injury. And then you'll see people say, oh, well, it's an allergic reaction. No, it's a venom effect. <laughs> you know, it's a different pathophysiology. It's a different treatment. Um, you know, obviously, there's no anti-venom. But you treat it supportively with wound care. You don't treat it for allergic reaction because it's not allergy mediated. So yeah, um, you know, the daughter of a friend of mine whom I've treated for a bite, his daughter got a pretty nasty hognose bite with big hemorrhagic blebs and major swelling and tissue injury oh, yeah. and it took weeks to recover. We um, um we've talked about it on we the see show. That not infrequently. We had someone at one of our shows once get bit and I mean her just these giant boils plustered uh, just gross on her arm and it just swole up and uh, Quickly, it happened. Yeah, so the the yeah. speed of which it happened is what alarms me. Well, the most. and that's another one that I go back to the same thing with coral snake. This is a rear fang snake, but people still are like, "Well, it's rear fang; it has to chew on you." I'm like, they're really good at getting those fangs but forward not, when they bite. Right? They're not rear fangs, though. Corals are not. No, 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 no. Like, Talk about the hog nose. Yeah, yeah it's about the hog nose. Yeah, but they're really good. <clears throat> I've seen like when like slow mo pictures of when they bite. They're good at getting that fang forward. That's evolution hadn't said. Oh man, I really got to learn how to chew. It's they're good at that. I mean, like. They can get that venom in you, and it is a venom. And I, 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 that's why I've questioned like hog noses being one of those like beginner snakes for little kids, because unfortunately you don't know how you react no, until you react. Snakes and ball pythons; those are for beginners. Yeah, as much you as know. I don't like ball pythons, but that is they don't. They're not gonna. My snake has hurt me one time <laughs> when he bit me right on the fingertip. It was like a bad paper cut. I was pissed at him, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good hog thing it wasn't noses a are not for beginners. No, and seriously. But that's that's where we are now in the hobby. Like they're everywhere, and they come in all these. Pretty, the, the problem is they come in pretty colors. Once they come in, once a snake comes in pretty colors, <laughs> everybody wants to own all of them. Uh, that's true, and that's a dangerous one. What? I'm good. I got my Mexican black king snake. That's not pretty colors. Just black. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Ugh. She's getting so big. No. Um, <laughs> you got anything? You don't have anything. I had a bunch of stuff in there. I was say, what happened to all the responses on the question? They were all yeah. the same thing. Yeah, uh, literally everybody. They were literally said. all they'll call Dr. Green. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. Everybody was like, what are you going to do? The doctor, one was like, the doctors will call Dr. Green. Do you? But they want, that's something. What people need to understand some doctors will, some doctors won't, but they know how to treat bites. A lot of doctors don't know how to treat bites and they won't call me because they won't know who I am or they won't care. So, and they may call poison control. And depending on where they are, they may get. Advice with which I agree, and they may get advice that's maybe not as aggressive. You know, historically, Texas has not been as aggressive with anti-venom, especially for coppers, that I think they should be as the literature would suggest they should be. Other states are a little more aggressive, and then some states where there's just rattlesnakes, they're, you know, they're pros. But a lot of times doctors think they know the bites, and they don't, and they just won't manage it right. So that's why it's important for people to advocate for themselves. <clears throat> but if a doctor ever wants to reach out to me, I am always available. My phone is always on. You know, we always have someone staffing national safe bite support. And if it's a bite in Houston, the moderators often contact me directly. Like, hey, we have a Houston bite or, you know, a Southeast Texas bite. But yeah, 
they can't say, you know, these people can't believe, oh, the doctors will call me. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Yeah. It's funny. There are a bunch of hospitals with which I've never been affiliated who do call me. I got, as recently as two days ago, it was really funny. I, I have no idea who this person is. Like, hey, we have a bike here. What would you do? So I talked them through it. And I love that. I don't mind that at all, you know, because I'm helping them manage the bike correctly. Um, but not everyone's going to do that. And, uh, and people and, need to know that. And, and I, they can't demand it. Well, and I, I do have to I have to say, I guess, for all the doctors, a lot of folks feel like every doctor should know this. And I guess if a doctor, if a doctor doesn't treat venomous snake bites on a regular basis, well, as many of them don't, yeah. it's very hard to know this without doing it on a regular basis. Yeah, right. I mean, here's the thing. You, you have to know so much in medicine. One of my colleagues from Arizona once said something like how the amount of information that's available doubles every 10 years. And it takes an average of like seven and a half to eight years. I don't even know the number, maybe longer, to incorporate new information into your practice, you know, especially if it's not part of your sub, sub, sub specialty. So, and there's so much to know. And there's so many more things, some more important things, you know, heart attacks kill way more people. Trauma causes much more morbidity and mortality. Strokes, sepsis, you know, these are the things with which most emergencies are dealing. Snake bites are relatively uncommon, you know, in places where snake bites are not common, most doctors will never see a snake bite. And even in places where snake bites are coming, they may see a few in their career. You know, I'll see more in a month than most doctors will ever see in their entire <clears throat> 30, 40, 50-year practice because it's what I do and, and they come to me. So you're right. You know, it's hard to keep up with this stuff if, if it's not that significant part of your practice. So here's a question, and this is, I guess this can be the questions Katie's going to ask because other people are thinking it segment. So how do venomous snake bites differ from venomous insect bites or stings, stings tarantulas, things like that. Okay. So, you know, I think a lot of people fail to understand how complex venom is. And that's why like today's post was perfect. You know, venom has so many components. Some venoms are simple and only have maybe a dozen or so. Some have more than a hundred things. So, you know, venom is not interchangeable. Some snake venoms are characterized by, you know, compounds that will cause you to bleed to death. And others, you know, have compounds that will cause skeletal and respiratory muscle paralysis. You know, it's not like you can say, oh, snake venom versus insect venom. There's tons of insects and other arthropods, and they have completely different venom from each other. I mean, look at the Arizona bark scorpion, and the venomation from that is completely different from an envenomation from, you know, a bee, and they're both arthropods. They're both completely different from a copperhead. So, you know, that's kind of an impossible question to answer because every venom's different. So do you focus just on snakes and their venom, or do you also oh, no, no. do... Uh, I'm a toxicologist. I deal with any exogenous toxicant, whether it's naturally occurring from a snake or a spider or a scorpion or a human monster, or whether it's, you know, something, you know, non-natural. Um you know, overdoses and occupational exposures. I mean, as a toxicologist, I deal with all that stuff. Anything that can poison or envenomate, that's what I do. Um, snake bites are what I'm known for. But you know, I was telling someone earlier today, I've written three book chapters on spider bites. You know, I've written an online book chapter for on jellyfish stings. I mean, I do all that stuff, you know. And then I deal with a lot of stuff related to toxicity from seizure medication. I just have an interest in seizure medications. And I have an interest in using... Physostigmine, which is an antidote for a certain type of toxicity, like we use it in Benadryl overdoses. So no, I do way more than snake bites. I'm just best known for snake bites uh, because it contributes to most of my wardrobe. 
So. <laughs> John Feely said, talk about the fact that many talk about using a tourniquet and why it shouldn't be done. Because uh, that's always one is, is to, to tighten it, arms up, arms down, like the, all the different things people yeah. are told to do when they get bit. So let me, it says here, you know, many EMSPs are still being taught to do this. Um, not by anyone who knows what he or she is talking about. They're not being taught. Um, and I will say that the upcoming edition of Bledsoe Paramedic Textbook, which is like the Bible for paramedic students, the new textbook has the toxicology chapter, which includes envenomations written by me. So there's no way in hell we talk about that there. <laughs> but let's talk about tourniquets. You know, tourniquets are great for life-threatening bleeding because it'll stop you from bleeding to death. But the problems <clears> with tourniquets are twofold. Number one, a tourniquet cuts off blood supply. So you're pretty much condemning the limb to have more damage. And, you know, it's going to increase the swelling and, and it's going to concentrate the venom effects locally. So you're going to get much more tissue damage. What you have to realize is with our native pit fiber bites, between 95 and 100% of those bites will result in tissue damage and you're just exacerbating it. Conversely, only a small percentage of these bites are going to have significant systemic or hematologic toxicity. So you're basically sacrificing the limb, which is most likely to be affected to prevent something that's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we never recommend a tourniquet for a snake bite in the United States. Similarly, pressure mobilization is not as bad as a tourniquet for cutting off blood supply, but we don't recommend it uh, in the United States for two reasons. Number one, you're still going to cause the tissue injury. You're still going to concentrate the venom. And two, you're probably not going to do it right. There was a great paper out of California years ago showing that most people, whether they're medical or not, cannot correctly apply pressure mobilization. So all you're going to do is exacerbate the local damage and at the same time potentially increase systemic absorption by getting the pressure wrong. Um, so, you know, just the best thing is to get them to the right facility and minimize harm. And that includes reducing the amount of tissue damage, which is why we elevate the limbs. We always elevate the affected limb to reduce the swelling. Now, if there's potential for a lot of systemic toxicity and you're maybe really far away from hospital, it's reasonable to keep it at heart level but we never want to put the limb below heart level because that's going to increase the swelling and the subsequent tissue injury. Hmm. How many times do you get asked to suck the venom out? Uh, only by close personal friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I never get asked to do that, you know, but people will ask about the extraction devices. And of course we know those are not helpful. They're only harmful. Yeah. You know, back 17 years ago, Sean wrote the best titled editorial ever uh, called extraction devices don't remove venom. They just suck. Uh, more recently, a bunch of this has been involved with a public awareness campaign to get them off the market because they don't help whatsoever. They cause harm. They don't remove a clinically significant amount of venom. They cause a negative pressure injury. They, they just, they cause damage. They suck. And they're only good for one thing, which is making profits for the people who make and sell them. Um, well, every time I see a snake bite kit at like in a camping section, I'm like, oh, what the hell? So yeah. I think my kid is a phone. I can remember. <laughs> I can remember being young, eight, nine, ten, and having to go through first aid as a Girl Scout because we had venomous snakes at our Girl Scout camp in South Alabama. And I can I remember like vividly remember thinking in my head, what the hell am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do if I see a snake in the wild? Like freaking out. Cause I was not into reptiles. Um, but I, I remember like there was a snake bite kit in our first day. I mean, you know, this was 25, 30 years right. ago, but yeah. I, you know, I remember all of this from when I was a kid and now it's completely different when you teach it to them first aid wise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've learned. Now yes. you won't get as fucked up. 
Our daughter knows much more than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so all right. Now now I want the fun stuff. What is the weirdest snake bite you've had to deal with? Because there's got to be some. No, no, no. I need you to clarify that question. Which part? Weirdest location the snake has bitten. All of the above. Because I'm sure there are multiple ways. Person, the weirdest way the The location on the body is definitely one that I'm interested in. (laughs) I need I need clarification for this. So I mean, I have had facial bites when I was in Arizona. We had people bit on the face because they were like trying to tease the snake and sticking their tongue out and get bit on the lip. Idiots. Um, Fucking morons. More recently, I had a weird bite. Just yesterday, I had a guy who got bit on the upper arm. That was just weird. He was just walking through the woods, and he got bit on the upper arm. And that was like, holy crap. And I had a kid who got bit on the thigh. Um, Ooh, a few weird. years ago, there was a kid who got bit on the neck. And that was Jesus. unfortunate. He did fine, but it was scary. Um, so weirdest people? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the guy, my friend who, that I treated for four or five bites, he's pretty weird. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> um I'm trying to think. We had a guy who had a stroke after a uh, Mojave rattlesnake bite. That was weird. Um, I had a cool neurotoxic Mojave. He was a non-neurotoxic Mojave. And then I had another guy who got bit by uh, a neurotoxic Mojave. And he just came in. He like he couldn't lift his arms. He couldn't lift his shoulders. He couldn't open his eyes. He couldn't really form words. And I mean, in the ante, within an hour, he was like totally fine. And that was like kind of neat. So, are these, um, so what are know, the... What are, well, I was going to say, you're... It's two different populations, I'm assuming, is how that yeah. happens, right? Yeah, like the guy that I treated for the non-neurotoxic one, he got bit in and around Phoenix, where we don't really have the, the Mojave toxin, whereas the guy that had the neuro stuff, he came from western New Mexico. So it's just a different... It's yeah, the same those, snake. Those that have the Mojave snake, have but the, just... the Mojave toxin, those that don't have the Mojave toxin. Because oh. yeah. I know... Uh... And that's a locality thing. Yeah, okay. they're far enough apart through evolution that they... Because I know, like, um, cane breaks, timber rattlesnakes, I mean, they range from here all the way up the East Coast. Yeah, so there's definitely definite, yeah, d- definite differences in the in the venom oh, between yeah. here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you end up... Even, even within Texas, in the coral snakes, um, you know, the bites I see in Southeast Texas are different from the bites I see in North and Central Texas. Hang on. My son wants to say something. What's up? Oh, good night. Love you, sweet All right. You're talking to at least two people. Maybe thousands. I just texted I our daughter to remind her, brush your teeth, get ready for bed. <laughs> hey, brush your teeth, get ready for bed. <laughs> you know, he's responsible. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we definitely see great geographic variations. And one of the great talks at the Denver Venom Conference was by Kara Smith talking about, you know, the differences uh, that they see in prairie rattlesnakes across its geographic distribution. So, yeah, there's no question about that. Well, again, I saw in your, but, in your uh, blog post today, we talked about CrowFab, where it uses uh, multiple locales to make it yep. so that it meets all the different. Absolutely. Now, I will say one thing that was sort of nixed by the regulators you know, they talk about how they use venom from the Western Diamondback, the Eastern Diamondback, the Mojave, and the Cottonmouth. I would argue there's two species of Cottonmouth because, you know, in 2017, the SSAR changed the taxonomy. So there's the Florida Cottonmouth and there's the Northern Cottonmouth. Yeah. So I would argue it's five antivenoms, but they didn't want me saying that in the <laughs> official blog. So so it's not four antivenoms, it's five because you got two different Cottonmouths. You know, and I also subscribe to the belief that there's two species of Copperhead, not one species with five subspecies. And if you disagree with me, well, fuck y'all. I, I know, think I agree. That there's, there's yeah. Broadbands and Easterns aren't the same thing. Right. And and I don't think that Mocasin is very different from Contortrix Contortrix. I mean, especially when you when you get 
how far apart they are, it's very hard to say that they're all the same thing when they're separated by multiple states. Like you're talking Georgia and then out, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it's like the conversation we have with Terry Herring about when does a Western rat snake, when does a black rat become an East, a Western or a great rat become yeah. a Western? When it crosses the Mississippi river. Right. Oh, yeah. when, when he buys boots, obviously. Right. He gets the cowboy hat. That's when he becomes Western. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that always gets me with the way, the way they do that. And they, well, at one point they, they want, they, they lump a bunch of the king snakes together. Mm-hmm. They lump a bunch of the rat snakes together. I'm like, we can look at them and tell. But just, I mean, I know that you're not supposed to use just visual, but come on. Uh, some of them are fucking different. You can tell they're different. And just common sense says they have to be different. Yep. So, yeah, the Copperhead one gets me when, they're, when it was, they lumped them all together. I was like, those aren't all the same. But, anyways, I digress. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> my brain went blank. I had a whole bunch of questions and then my brain went blank and let's see. I know there were some, Oh, uh, I don't know. I wasn't at the venom conference, but Max Hicks apparently said you were very funny. Uh, and he said he'd get his MD just to make the fentanyl joke. Yeah, I saw that. And you know what? I think I was funny. I don't know if I was the funniest, but if I was, it's because I'm short and balding. I need to be funny, but the fentanyl joke wasn't especially funny. I just said, I like it personally and professionally. Which was a outright lie, and then I've only had fentanyl like three times in my life, um, to which I'll admit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was that. I just happened to just sort of deadpan, and as I was talking about pre-hospital management, I guess it's it struck some people's fancies. So <laughs> here's one I did want uh, to ask about. Uh, Philip Oxley said, "How about treatment for dogs before getting to a vet? Is it any different than for a human or?" Okay, so I am a veteran, but I'm not a veterinarian. So I would suggest you ask my colleagues over at National Take by Support. Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even want to comment on that because I don't yeah. know. Just remember, Benadryl doesn't do shit for yes. know, North American snake envenomations. That so one I don't care if you're a puppy or a human, don't think Benadryl's going to make a difference. Is it really harmful? Not so much, uh, other than it can make you sleepy and unable to provide a history. But I think the danger with Benadryl is that people think it's a safe alternative to antivenom and it gives them a false sense of security. That's a major no-no. My biggest concern would be like, I I would be unconscious and wouldn't be able to speak to you, which could be problematic. That would be my issue. I'd be out. Yeah. I took a Benadryl once by accident. I meant to take a Pepsi and I took a Benadryl and I was like trying to drive to work and I was falling asleep. It was not a good time. I took two once while at work. I was, I was working at a, I was about to say, I was working at PetSmart and, uh, and I realized after 15 minutes, I'd been standing there just staring at a fish tank. <laughs> and I hadn't moved. Yeah, I think that was hot. That wasn't good. <laughs> that I have not done. I'm He's a teacher. never done I've that. Never done I'll that. say that. Neither have I, actually. I can honestly say that. I can. Not but, a lot uh, of people can. I, I, was like, I was like, I need to go home. I, Today I, or? <laughs> I can't do any of that not stuff. Not a cop anymore. The one so. time I do it, I'll get drug tested. Oh, so that's I'm, why I've never done it. My, the way that I react scares me. Like, I know how I react to certain medications. I just figure I'll be hungry. And it terrifies me. Like, yeah, I just I'm already can't. hungry. I don't need I'm anything just, to exacerbate. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need help. That's, that's, <coughs> no. that's I'll tell you, I'm doing intermittent fasting now, so I don't eat before 10 a.m., with very rare exception, and that's only if I work a night shift. But I got up at 4.45 this morning, so I didn't eat until after 10. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm hungry. And at 10.01, I'm like, oh, thank God. And, uh, <laughs> But then you just like eat a ton. Does it does it make up for it if you just eat a ton at that point? I actually didn't eat a lot. I had a sandwich. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was in the 
pediatric emergency department, I'm like, okay, hopefully kids don't have any serious peanut allergies here or else I'm going to have to resuscitate them. <laughs> but, uh, but I did, I did decide to wash my hands today at work. So that was good. Well, that's good. Always important. Well, I, I do like <laughs> when the doctor days. decides to wash his hands at least once. At least once. But I mean, the other time I did spit on it and rub my hands together rapidly. So, you know, it I built, got off the, it builds immunities, right? So we're, we're go. good. Exactly. That, that's how you help cure snake bites with immunities. <laughs> I washed yes. my hands every time I introduced our class pets today. Because oh, oh, you introduced Cause I, t- I took I took our reptiles up to the classroom over our weekend, and so my third graders we now have a bearded dragon and a leopard gecko, and oh sweet, they loved it. I had one child who was very disappointed it was not a snake. Told him to go talk to the principal. Say, so, hey, we've got one. <laughs> Right there? Yeah, this is her. <laughs> She's even still got her label on the cage. Aww. But yeah, no, it, they were they were pretty pumped though. We've had our, our Brazilian horn frog has been there for a while, but he's a no touch. We don't handle him. That's because it's a frog. So I was looking okay. I was gonna jump to our, our Facebook stuff real quick. Are you staring at the cat? I like cats. I just I'm allergic. Uh, I can't. But I'm, so I was going over our Facebook stuff from our listeners that they posted this week. One, and I've seen this in several places, and I was very mad that Max Hicks didn't get a picture of it, is the fat-ass bear in Alaska. <laughs> so Matt, Max Hicks went to Alaska and completely didn't go see the fat-ass bear in Alaska. It was in a different part. I don't care. It's yeah, because you know Alaska's I such Alaska's a small big. place. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a short little drive, I'm sure. So he lives in Texas. Tiny. He's used to driving long distances. Oh, my Lord. But he it's a little different. West Texas at that. Yeah, he lives in the middle of fucking nowhere, right. Texas. So... There was the fat ass bear that that picture actually was on like a on a show on HBO this weekend. Although there's also the one, just the one with the Travis poster of the crocodile eating a crocodile. Yes, it was a massive crocodile eating a not a small crocodile. I did not read this one. I'm hoping somebody. I know. I know neither one of you read this article. Which one? The one about the uh, crocodile that showed up in Baja Beach. I did not see that I one. See it. I need to read that one because there's it, there shouldn't be a crocodile over there. I had a show this weekend. I have an alibi. And then, uh, that was it, man. We, we, we were very slow there. Uh, oh, Max Hicks said if he had a sponsor that would give him an extra $1,200, he'd go to. I'm not giving you money to go get eaten by a bear, man. We're teachers. We don't make a lot. I wanted you to get eaten by the bear the first time up there. I'm not going to pay to get eaten by a bear the second time up there. You're so ugly. Stop being ugly. He let me down. He went up there. He's supposed to get eaten by a bear. <sighs> and then he went and saw whales, and the whales didn't kill him. Max is letting me down. Uh, who's at this? Is that? The ball sack cat. I don't know. I just went and looked, but it's not popping up. That's true. We haven't talked about ball sack cats in a while. Because you don't have April. Because April's not on. April has the ball sack cat. They have <clears> adorable, <throat> adorable Halloween costumes. Fucking kidding me. I'm just saying. There's no such thing as... A- <laughs> One of them is a mummy. <laughs> it's so cute. I like the cats. Those cats are fun. We should get one of those cats. I'm not Fuck allergic. No. <sighs> they're one, fragile. One, they're, they're, not, so they're not cheap. Cool. They're not. Fucking, you pay extra for no hair. Not having that. <laughs> what? I just laughed. That made you laugh? No, I was thinking about the cat in the costume. <laughs> oh. I thought, I was like, what are you thinking I'm about? tired. Leave me alone. It was a very, <laughs> very long day at school today. Robert, did you have any stupid people from the internet? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think people have missed your stupid people from the your internet. face when you said it. I mean, we already talked about the person that said... Copperhead bites aren't bad. Just go home. Let's see. That's the chili recipe that I made last night. <laughs> um, 
figure out what I'm cooking Thursday. What's Thursday? Oh, we, we have we have guests. We coming. have Herp's guest. <clears throat> Don't say it like that because that sounds like we got diseases. Got the herpes. We do not. I thought I did. Maybe I don't. You don't have any stupid people on the internet? I'm sure. Dude. Hold on. I'm sure Dr. Green's had to comment on several stupid things just today alone. <laughs> well, fortunately, I was busy today, so I didn't have a chance to comment on too much stupidity. Just the one woman who said the copper is one big deal. I said, yeah, wrong. Luckily, I, it was in a group where I could mute her. So. Yeah. Was that in the Tennessee group? Yeah. That's the most entertaining no. group. No, that well, was Arkansas. No, it was Wild Snakes. Wild Snakes. Oh, yeah, Wild Snakes. Yeah. So the Tennessee group it was one of the most entertaining ones. Discussion. Yeah. So I said, right. yeah, no. And I muted her for seven days and I corrected her. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'm vindictive. <laughs> Don't you love how every snake is a copperhead, though? Like, and we're post it. It's copperhead. Or if it's in the water, Just it's cotton mouth. Practice. Um, no stupid people? Oh, man, you let me down. How do you get your boas to go to bed so many times late at night? My girl presses herself up against the glass, demanding to be taken out for more and more attention. I hate having to put her back in there when I know she's still all energetic. I'll be right back up against the glass within a minute or two. You are kidding. No, I remember. I remember. I swear to God, I've seen that. The world's bows, USA. Ugh. Yeah. The hell is wrong with people? Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, these are the, the uh, people that used a beaded lizard as an ambassador animal for oh, I saw kids. The little girl, like that little girl holding no. a beaded lizard, holding a beaded what? lizard. Yeah. Oh. Which usually have nastier temperaments than Hilos. So have you, how often do you have to treat a bite or, or talk about bites from lizards? Uh, since moving to Texas once, but I probably had a dozen or so when I was in Arizona. Literally the worst case I ever had. And this is probably where I'm going to approach uh, the end of my time here because uh, I've been up since 445 and I've got stuff to do. But the worst envenomation I ever treated was a guy who had actually had six previous snake bites. He even lost his thumb to a snake bite. Jesus Christ. But – he woke up, he had his typical breakfast of snake bite victim champions. He had two pitchers of beer, and he decided he wanted to be a pirate. Well, guess what? It's hard to find a parrot in Arizona. So he did the next best thing. He picked up a Gila monster and put it on his shoulder. A few minutes later, he got bit on the neck. Next thing you know, his airway is swelling, his blood pressure plummeted, he had horrible <laughs> diarrhea, as opposed to the good diarrhea. I How guess. is this not the one you brought up earlier when we were talking about people getting bit? <laughs> yeah. This is a great one. <laughs> he got bit on the neck. And his pressure plummeted. They like at the first hospital, they like forced a tube down his throat, and they flew him to me. And he arrived like ten minutes after a snake bite. And fortunately, she was a really mild bite. And I said something to her that I've said to no other snake bite victim before since. I said, "Excuse me, I'm going to go see something more interesting." And uh, and then I went to go see him. And he spent a week on the ventilator. He did fine, you know. So he was ready for his next adventure. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that was that was so. Great. Max Max said exactly what I was thinking when he said he's only treated one here with the. Gila monster bite, and it had to be our. Uh, he, I know he c- probably can't acknowledge this, but it had to be Hayden because she got bit by her Gila and her hand was swollen up. And and uh, Max said the same thing. I was that, thinking, I, I realize that. Hayden got bit. Yeah, yeah, she got bit by her Gila. It looked like she had a freaking catcher's mitt. Ugh. So yeah, no, I, I want a Gila, but I will wear gloves. But I'm just worried about like broken bones. I figure they'll break my finger. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty nasty bite. Oh wow. Uh, well, we we can continue. Because I guess I'm talking about, but if you, I know you've been up and you need to like be able to function. Yeah, and mostly I just want to hang out with my wife. Eh, they're not that important. Shut up. <laughs> Yours made you dinner. That's true. I'm probably going to need a second dinner, actually. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, but we want to thank you for coming on. It's been awesome. Uh, oh, thanks for having me. We don't do that. I can't wait till 
the Venom Conference next year. Now that I live in Houston, I can go to it. I'm super excited. Yep. So, yeah, if you could tell everybody about three things. Number one, National State Bite Support. Join yes. and just follow the rules. Number two, Houston Venom Conference. The lectures will be on June 4th. We'll actually have a reception the night before at the Houston Zoo on June 3rd. And number three, follow me on Twitter. You know, uh, at Talk Spencer, I'm trying to, you know, talk about snake bites and occasionally reference this to obscure bands and food. Um, I, I need peoples. Okay. So. Yes, definitely go join the group. Uh, that is a great one. Again, you never know when you need need. Oh, read my blogs. That's true. B- BGGSP. Uh, I'm you gonna can share to, them huh? to the group. Yeah, too. I will share them. I'm gonna start reading them after reading the one today. I was like, yeah, these these will be pretty good. Look at you reading and stuff. Well, I'm so proud. They're, they're short and it's they're not. It's it's not like when Travis Weinman sends me fucking papers that are written and it's like 17 <laughs> pages and it's all in scientific <laughs> text and I'm like, I'm not reading that shit. Oh, I can do that too if you want. But <laughs> I'm not reading I, I wrote, that shit. <laughs> I've done down the blogs for y'all. I read enough of that we stuff in college. That. I don't want to do it now. It's so funny. Well, thank you for coming on, yes. Doctor Green. Thanks thank so you for much. On. Thanks for having me. It's I been, will see you guys in person eventually. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Bye. I am. There you go. All right. So, uh, side topic. Has anyone seen Marcus Shea's interview with Papa? No, I saw it pop up. I have not watched the Papa New Guinea one with Marcus Shea. I do know that uh, um, Eric also interviewed Marco Shea from Morelia Python Radio. That, that, I don't know if it's come out yet or not. I can't remember. But I know it's coming out. Uh, that is one. There were some. Uh, I did listen to several podcasts this week uh, that I did want to bring up. All oh, I did was. Elon wants to know how the show was for you. She keeps asking. She's asked three times. Um, it was a show. Yeah, it, it was, was there. A, considering how small it was, I mean, I think it, it was pretty good. Vendors saved the day again. There you go. It's two shows in a row where vendors saved the day. Uh oh! So of course I you would have known if you'd have been there, Lana. Yeah, I uh, know. But Rachel was happy because Lily brought the Irish Wolfhound on Sunday, uh. and I lost my wife for the entire day to that dog. <laughs> uh oh! So part one came out. Part two of the O'Shea thing will come out in November. How do we go on? Hold on. And Lana, uh, uh, Huff sent me a screenshot of y'all's conversation earlier with your Freudian slip. Whoa. She'll know what I'm talking now about. Now that the rest of I'll show you guys like, when we're done. Okay. Uh, so it did, confirms some things that we've always suspected. So I did listen to Reptile Fight, Fight Club. Uh, do ball pythons make good pets? Uh, good, good first snakes. <laughs> and it was actually not between Justin and Chuck on there. It was between Dominique DeFalco and Kendra West. Uh, Westy? I was West, but then it's Westy. Of Puget Sound Pythons, which they've been, they've commented before Puget Sound Pythons. Yeah. Um, and they debated whether they were good. I've said in the past that I don't think ball pythons are good first pets. Yeah. Um, and that's not my hatred for ball pythons, which there is one. But uh, I just think – and one thing I think Dominique actually hit on was the, the food – the hunger strike. And not a lot of people are prepared for the hunger <coughs> strike. Whereas, like, with a corn snake, there's never a fucking hunger strike. Or with uh, a king snake. Yeah, I wouldn't say never, but not like ball pythons. not like ball pythons. It might be two weeks. Yeah. With king snakes, they'll eat all the time. Yeah. So, like, some of those snakes, I think, are probably better. I don't ever have hunger strikes with boas unless, like, they're in deep shed. Right. And even then, I've still fed boas in deep shed. That Dumeril's boa that we have that's on that bottom enclosure has not eaten yet. Really? That's no. weird. Uh, we haven't tried live yet, though, so we may have to try live with that one and see how it goes. I don't really like doing live with snakes that big because it's big rats. 
Big old rats. And then if it doesn't eat it, you got to reach in there and get it. And the snake might say, oh, look, there's a big warm thing. Yeah. Um, you have fun with that. Yeah. Right. I say you have fun with that. I'm probably going to have to come over yeah, and help. Wife, yeah, your wife probably be calling you to come help that. <laughs> so, I'll have fun with that. Um, but but the basic points, one thing I thought was funny. <laughs> Dr. Green left and our viewership went from 21 to 14. I know. We're not as entertaining. <laughs> it's all right. But uh, one thing that got mentioned in there that I thought was funny. So they did talk about uh, a woman, a woman, a female presence in the hobby, and um, and one of the guys talked about not having a lot of female friends in the hobby, and he said, uh, I can't remember if it was Chuck or Justin or both of them, but that doesn't know how well their wives would accept if they had female friends in the hobby that they were talking to all the time and hanging out with. And I'm like, Katie would be fucked if that was the issue because I hang out with women every weekend we're at a show. I was about to say, and I get people all the time that'll come up to me and, and, and give me rumors about my husband and other women. And I'm like, you know, go on. At Beaumont, I hung out with Rachel and Heidi and Corey and Maria. I was like, and I mean, I've been training for almost 17 years. So they think they can do better by all means. Let's go. The only thing (laughs) I see how much you take care of him. They don't want it. Oh God. No, (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. No, that's what works for us. Uh, Works great. But with that being said, what a lot of people don't see is it's also reciprocated. Yes. Like I don't like the other night I wasn't feeling well and I've seen James be a big old softy. Oh yeah. He thinks nobody's looking. Oh yeah. He takes care of me. Yep. I, uh, (laughs) the only thing I get at shows is people. I hear people say that Rachel's way too good looking for me. And I'm like, I agree. I know. We all know that. I mean, James upgraded hardcore with me. Yeah. Say. So did I. (laughs) Well, my ex-wife was pretty too. She's just fucking crazy. So Rachel's I mean, a different kind crazy. of crazy. I but say I'm pretty crazy. Rachel, too. Rachel's a level of crazy you decide you can handle. Yes. I forget what comedian it was, but basically you just have to find a woman that is the level of crazy you're willing to handle. So yeah. I'm your level of crazy, babe. For now, Lotta <laughs> says you can keep him. <laughs> um, I also listened to the Snake Talk podcast, which was really good because I had Jeff Corwin on. Really cool, and, and it made me realize that I want to have Jeff Corwin on here. I bet he is super entertaining. Uh, he was phenomenal when I met him in high school. For the two seconds you met him in high school, um, we had a lovely conversation about my cupcake dress. Thank well, you. Well, then so you much. need to get him on the podcast. So I'm saying this out loud, putting it into the ether, so that hopefully I, at some point I can get H- have Jeff you, Corwin. Have you watched Squid Game? Nope. No, we, and I I'm will not. not. not watch oh, it's so good. It is so. I'm on episode three. It is so good. People I are have, now making Squid Game. I have. Um, I have also. Um, I've Googled it so I can tell you about all the episodes because I Google spoilers. We had an issue with like a game at school where kids were playing because they have, they have watched the show and. Well, I'm only on episode three, so I don't want to hear anything. Past. Yeah, no, this was just from the first episode. Like, if okay. you've watched the first episode, okay, back to reptile stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyways, also. <laughs> Uh, in the last week, Justin Kabilka changed the name of his business. Yes, he did. Uh, from JKR Reptiles to Canova Reptiles. Um, I like that it's short and like it rolls off the tongue. I, I don't really. I don't like it. It's but cool. it's not my business. So it doesn't fucking matter. I'm just. That's my personal opinion. Kabilka Innovations is what it stands for. I know. But I like. I liked his name being there. And, and look, like I said, his business, I don't. Whatever. So I understand I, completely why I did it. It's a smart marketing move. I get it. I think so. It's so like. On the issue, my opinion is I don't like it, but my opinion doesn't fucking matter because it's not my business. But That's like everybody's up in arms because U.S. Art changed their official logo. It looks like the U.S. Bank logo. Yes. 
But right. I get it. But that's their official logo on letterhead. Right. But it's not going to change on the shirt. So. No. Guess what? You got your shirt? Well, it's in Louisiana, but it arrived uh, today. Rachel, Rachel got hers like Friday. <laughs> My mom texted me today at lunch. She's like, you got a package. I'm like, oh, that's a t-shirt. Yep. Yeah, Rachel got hers. I was she got a Friday. No, I guess it was over the weekend because it was there yeah. when we got home. I should get one at some point. I was pumped. Uh, you already also, got one. You're wearing one. Yeah, but I should also. I, I renewed, so I should get a new one. Uh, they sent me three. Really? Yeah, they sent me. Th- they sent me a shirt like three months ago, and then last week I got two more in. Yeah, I need. I need them to do that for me. Actually, yeah. one of them is your size, but I think we're gonna give it to Brittany. We're gonna give it to Brittany because she fuck, doesn't have one at all. Fucked up shit. But uh, <laughs> the Reptile Talk podcast with Jeremy Turgeon and Rob Christian. They had one about price and inflation. So I figure that's a good topic for us to discuss. Sure. Um, I see a lot of people on Facebook complaining about how expensive things are at shows. And so I have several things I would like to say about that. One, shut the fuck up. But more importantly, uh, it's with the time. I mean, things aren't – look, do I think that uh, – uh, what is your fucking snake? Mexican black king snakes <laughs> should be 200 250 bucks. No, but they but have are, been. For but are people paying for it? A few years. Yes, and so therefore that's the price it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that. That was one thing they made a point of saying um, on on their podcast is if someone puts a snake out there for a price and someone pays that price, that's the price of that snake. It may not be the price you want to pay for that snake, and that's a completely different argument. So I spent a pretty good portion of the day today in the office running numbers on everything because I haven't done it in a while to see where my margins are on my racks. And I realize why I'm fucking broke because every single component in my rack, the price has gone up at least a hundred percent since the beginning of the year. Yeah. I mean, where I used to pay $79 for 5,000 screws is now $139 plus shipping. The shipping has also gone up. So my racks are about to have a, a price increase that I have to do or the business doesn't survive. And that's with everything. I mean, Rodent price. Look at the Rodent Pro prices. I mean, yeah. everybody's gone up, because, and the shipping has gone up on everything. Here's what I don't understand. What, what I'm worried about is I don't think it's a it's a tenable situation for our country. Right I, I don't understand how people can get so angry about price increases when you go to the grocery store yeah, yeah. and eat just your regular things that you buy on a weekly basis for your household. Yep. Is more expensive. Uh, so it makes sense that all of our things that are hobby related, all of our things. And and that's not just the reptile hobby. I mean, anything in the craft world right now is going to cost you more. God, you just dated yourself. Um, old. I, I just have old hobbies. It's okay. Uh, your books at the bookstore are more expensive. Your magazine well, subscriptions so are more there's, expensive. There's, the two people, there's two different people that are arguing that prices are ridiculous when they go to a reptile show. One is the cheap-ass person who just doesn't want to pay for what it is actually worth. That's one person, and they think if they bitch enough that it'll be cheaper. Those are the same ones that message someone and lowball the shit out of them for something, trying to get it for way cheaper, and they don't get it. The other is someone who's been in the hobby for a long time, and at one point, this snake cost this much, and now it doesn't cost that much now. That's how time... First off, I think there were a lot of snakes, a lot of reptiles that were undervalued when I got into the hobby. Uh, And they mentioned it on the podcast. They talk about corn snakes. Corn snakes were definitely undervalued when we got into the hobby. Uh, I mean, you remember when we went to Daytona? We bought corn snakes for 15, 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Those same corn snakes are not 15 or 20 bucks. Oh, now. God, no. Um, 
they definitely should. And, and the problem, and they mentioned it, I think, um, uh, Rob mentions it. When you have something priced at 15 or 20 bucks, you don't give a shit if it dies. It becomes a disposable pet. And just because they're small as babies doesn't mean they should be disposable pets. They're still an animal. So a hundred bucks, 120 bucks for an animal is probably a good, is probably where they should be for some of those. Um, same for Samboas. I sell Samboas now more than I did when I first started. Probably because that's where the price really should be for that animal. Yep. Uh, rainbow boas, when I started, were $125 for years, which is, you think about it is really undervalued for that snake. It's a really cool snake. Um, and they are not as easy to keep and take care of as babies. And so I think the price range anywhere from four to 600 bucks is probably fine. Um, I can see it eventually settling at around 300. I think that's probably where rainbows will eventually settle. Hopefully not before I sell mine. <laughs> um, I think Doomerals, everybody got used to those costing 100, 125 bucks for years. I think $1,000 was fucking ridiculous. Oh, they're, they're nowhere near that right now. No, no, no. no. And they've, they've come back down. They, they, they shot up there and everybody went, well, that's stupid. And, and they've come back down. I, but I think in the $300 to $400 range is probably fine for Doomerals because of that one, uh, it's a long gestation. It's not a snake that many people have. It's, it's a whole different thing. It's not something as common as, as a I Colombian boa. It's too fucking many. Huh? Nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, cool. But I think that people just need to understand that it's, times change, prices change, um, and this hobby is it's cyclical. Some things will come back down. Uh, Who's alligator should be more than a hundred bucks? Yes, yes, they should. They also should have to have a permit everywhere where you buy one. Um, but like, and then with with dry goods and racks and stuff, that's that's not. People see those price increases and they come to you and they go, well, "You're just trying to make money." Well, first off, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to yes. make money. Yeah. But he's not making money at the expense of the customer. He's trying to get it back to where it's supposed to be because he's taking on all the expenses that everyone else is marking up. That's right. So Darren said that this should be – I agree. Alligator should not be 100 bucks. That's like a Cayman. I don't think Cayman should be super cheap. Any of that shit shouldn't be super cheap. But, right. But it – but again, that also comes to if that's the price that people are paying, it's the price people are paying. You know, the first time I went to a venomous show was at Daytona. The first Daytona we went to, they still had venomous snakes there. Remember that? It was in the outside. You had to go outside upstairs into a mm-hmm. small room. And that was the first time I saw a Gaboon. It was in a completely separate area. Yeah. The first time I saw a Gaboon Viper, and it was like 60 bucks. I was like, what the fuck? Shit, here's some Doomerals babies still going for 700 bucks. Yeah. 850. Well, that's promising. Tracy started listening to a new podcast called the Reptile Entrepreneur Podcast. That sounds cool. I'll have to listen to that one. I haven't listened to that one. Guy has a great reading voice. It's important when you're listening to podcasts or audiobooks or even just a DJ on the radio that they have a good speech. Y'all saw that Brittany Gobbles was interview or listening to samples yesterday of people who to read her books uh-uh. for audiobooks. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Hey Brittany, I'm just saying I'm available. I can I can do voices. I used to love your voiceovers for the videos and commercials that the zoo would use when we worked there. Yes, it is weird when you walk into a room and a video is playing. And you're like, wait a minute. I know that voice. Or when, like, when Brittany Reed pulled up to my house and opened That's the true. door. And- yeah, Brittany Reed pulled up and an episode of our podcast was playing, but it wasn't one with y'all on it. So I heard me. And then I was like, who the fuck is that? And I was like, that's April. I could hear <laughs> April's voice. So it was an older episode. Uh, Tracy said they just had that on the NPR guy. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I've, I've listened to several. I listened to. Um, I told you I listened to the Amphibicast in the last one, but you talked to. Audrey at the show this past weekend 
And uh, we're going to try and get her once we get through Hottoberfest. Did you friend request her? Again? I did. But I haven't messaged her yet. Once we get through Hottoberfest, we're going to reach out. But uh, we have some other people. we got to get the uh, finally get Lori on at some point. Say we've done a Reptile Room Confessions since February. Probably. That happens with a lot of podcasts. You'll see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they start out really good. And then yeah. they just, I mean, like I said, we're on episode 86. There it is. And I think I've missed a total of two weeks. One was COVID related. And uh, I think I missed because of a hurricane, maybe. Yeah. I feel like we did. Yeah. So I maybe missed, maybe three With weeks. Hurricane Laura. Yeah. Um, it, we didn't have power for two weeks at our house. I mean, y'all haven't been on the podcast the entire time, but y'all, the times y'all been, you, it's hard to do it weekly. It's, mm-hmm. There's some times where I'm like, fuck, um, I got to get over there. Like I'm getting home at six and trying to eat and come out. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I, I'm hoping to, uh, we're hoping to expand and have a few more uh, podcasts, but they will not be weekly ones. Not I, I said the cat. Yeah. Not, not, oh, not them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, half of me, uh, Yes, so hopefully we will be doing that soon, and we'll have some other content. There's a lot. Like I know there's a lot of reptile content out there, and I uh, can't listen to it all. But I also think it's a good problem to have. I did listen to. So I have one podcast. I don't tend to listen to the Animals at Home podcast. Um, and, and I will say honestly, just because I don't have the same viewpoints that he does, and sometimes I don't listen to it. And I say, you know what? Screw that. I need to listen to some of the other podcasts that aren't my viewpoint. And I listened to it. It was a good one. It was on UV, UVB lighting. and had somebody on um, uh, who was really uh, well-known for UVB lighting, and I listened to that. It was great. And the Animals at Home podcast is a very good podcast. Um, I think sometimes you, you need to listen to uh, someone that is not the same as your voice. And I don't mean vocally. I mean opinionated-wise. You've, you've got to reach out. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you right now. Yeah, I'm like sitting over here like, is this James Lewis? I'm like. I know. So proud. Although I'm, way, I'm able to listen to way more podcasts now that I listen to them all on one and a half times speed. You would think that I would have listened to podcasts this weekend because you didn't do anything else. Um, I saw your house. She, she did a lot. Boy. <laughs> I walked boy, in and I was I like, "Tell you, boy." She had to show me the closet. I did. I showed him the closet. I was very proud of the closet. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, I busted my ass this wow, weekend. Looks like it vomited. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine did. I was, I honestly, I was just tired of looking at boxes. We, um, we figured it up. I figured it up the other day. I haven't slept in my own bed on a weekend except for one in the last seven. Yeah. Um, that, and that is starting that, to get a little burned out. I mean, honestly, I'm starting that to in and of itself is a hundred percent was part of my problem. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Yep. I mean, Rachel and I both took the day off yesterday. I didn't get out of bed till nine, which is that's insane for you. For me, yeah. I was awake at seven. I was awake at five when the storm came through. And yeah, I slept through that. Yeah, uh, missed that one. <laughs> it sounded like lightning hit my front yard, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And uh, learned that my motion sensor on my front camera will go off every time the lightning strikes if it <laughs> flashes in the little area that I have highlighted. So. Nice. So they said when COVID started, I was listening to six podcasts. Now I'm down to two. Is that because you're only listening to two or because there's only two that are left still making them? Because uh, I think that's a big thing of it. Um, this room is made I like my, much easier. I like my Frog of the Week podcast that I listen to. But like When's the, the last time you listened to it? 16 episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't say you like the one you listen. You but, like the one you listened 
too. No, but when I li- they're only like a minute long episodes because they only do it once a week, so it's one to two minutes once a week. So you think you wouldn't be so I listen. Behind. So I listen, but I listen to like for an hour. I'll listen to all the different episodes. So that one was pretty cool. Well, it's interesting in the other ones. That happens. And I'm not surprised if people don't like us. That's cool. I enjoy getting here every week and talking. Uh, I do have good news. So I fed baby snakes last night. Every one of my rainbow boas finally ate. Some of them ate twice because not all of my sambo was ate. <laughs> so, so how far are you from being able to start taking them to shows? I could definitely sell some of my rainbows now, but I have no idea which ones I'm selling, which ones I'm keeping. So I'm probably going to hold on to them for a while. The rainbows? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, uh, that doesn't surprise me with that litter. I'll probably have I was them. expecting that. I'll, I'll probably have them for close to a year, I think. Really? Because, yeah, I want them to get some size on them. You want and to see I want what to see what they, they look, look like, like so you can decide which ones you want to get. Yeah. Um, These are the last ones we have from Ozzy, so right. I, I expected that. Um, and then uh, the Samboas, I've got three that are eating out of the umpteenth I have, but they'll start, or they won't. Those are the options. So They'll uh, either start eating or get eaten. Yeah, those, that's like I got king snakes. King snakes are happy. Uh, yeah, you have two king snakes. Two king snakes, yeah. Although only one is really big enough to Yeah. You know, another another podcast that I really like is um, Lizard Brain Radio. Was the last time you listened to? Well, every now and then it's live on Facebook and it's not live on ours. So I'll like watch it live on Facebook and I'll listen to it live. Um, I don't actually listen to the podcast. Bill, Bill's also very entertaining. Um, I do like Bill. I do. I met him in Tinley two years ago. Yeah, we got to get him on here. We, we, we had plans for it and things came up. They did. After we get through Hot Toberfest, um, we'll reach out to Bill again. So if you are into lizards, of course, there's Strength in Leos, which is all about. Leopard geckos. Yes. Um, our, I used to listen to that one. When our I buddy Seth was on the recent episode. Dude. I oh, was he? I'm going to tell um, you guys. That's right. You saw Seth's place. Seth. At Huff's Herbs. Has the most organized, clean, um, like systematic reptile room I have ever been in. It's awesome. But he's doing it full time also. This oh, is yeah. his job now. He is. Oh, yeah. And he's got small slave He labor. has some stuff coming next year that is. I'm not a big gecko person, but some of those fat tails are. I love Ridiculous. his stuff. I mean, they look like a piece of freaking candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how pretty those oh, things yeah. are. And the great thing about Seth is, you know that he is not, like, he just had that issue with that line of uh, Leo's that he figured out was a genetic issue with them not, uh, having problems when they eat. And he has either bought back every one of them or given the people, I don't know exactly how it works, but... Um, you know, those the remaining ones he's selling as pet onlys. Oh, wow. But he could have just ignored that and kept True. making money. Yeah. But he was like, absolutely not. I'm not letting that stay out there. And, uh, did you get to see his bug set up and how he does all of his bugs and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I know he, he produces all of his own feeders. Yep. Yeah. And his wife cooked chili for us all Saturday night and it was good. And I cooked the same recipe last night. <laughs> Cause it was so good. Um, I know that I was watching, uh, Dave Kaufman's, one of his recent videos, and I do want to reach out to him in the near future to have him on because he said he's about to travel to Costa Rica. It's been a while since Dave has traveled out of country, obvious reasons. Um, I'd like to get him on here after he travels out of country again to, to talk yeah. to him. Um, none, neither one of y'all were on the podcast last time we had him mm-hmm. on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how post COVID travel is, is going for all that. Uh, Snake Discovery finally released their video of the grand opening. They've been open for a while now, but they finally got to that video. Uh, so if you want to see the the snake, the new reptile zoo up there, it is 
it is really nice. Like just watching the videos and your sister was up there mm-hmm. last week at St. Discovery. And she got to see how nice it was in person. Yeah, she, she said it was amazing. Apparently she has a souvenir for me. I'm assuming it's not a snake. Um, <laughs> Since you haven't gotten it yet. Yes. Uh, I will see her in a couple weeks, but I would love to go up there and check that out about when we're done. I love watching uh, the Snake Discovery videos. They were at, oh, Tinley happened while since the last show. Tinley was mm-hmm. this past weekend. A bunch of our friends were up there at Tinley. Um, I do know that Ed and Emily from Snake Discovery had to wear unicorn onesies. Yes, they did. Uh, because they lost a bet. And so they wore unicorn onesies. And if you wore a onesie there and took a picture with them, they gave you a, a pin, a little unicorn onesie pin. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um Tinley looked interesting. That was another thing. Uh, going back to the pricing and people bitching. Uh, people bitch about shows. And, and I can't say too much. I, I did when I was younger, but I, I've gotten I've gotten more relaxed about it. Uh, but what do you bitch- mean? Like admission to get in? No, no, no. They, but they bitch like, it's all about That's crazy bucks. expensive for everything. I've been looking at some stuff for Christmas presents and holy shit. But they were like, uh, at, at Tinley, they are like, it's all ball pythons and geckos. Well, okay, it's not all ball pythons and geckos for one. No, because... Somebody that we know that went this weekend bought a shitload of things that are not ball pythons or geckos. So that's that's not. There are a lot of ball pythons and geckos because ball pythons and geckos are the number one sellers in the hobby. So it may only makes sense to have them there if you're in business to make money. But you've got to look at the others there because when we went to Tenley in 2019, I got my uh, Indian sand boas and I found them on one table against a wall all the way in the back. The guy had like. A little tiny banner just attached to the table. You'd have never seen it if you were just walking through. Um, so you just you've got to look. I know that uh, Rufus Darden was there with Samboas. I know that oh my brain's not working. The other Samboas that was up there, Scott Miller. Scott Miller was there with Samboas. So I do know there were Samboas there, and those two people have high quality Samboas. So that's my animal choice. But there's tons of stuff. So when you go to a show, yes, there's a lot of. A lot of uh, there's a lot of ball pythons. It just is, but if those ball pythons weren't there, the rest of the animals you want to see wouldn't be there right now either. Those things are kind of carrying the hobby. This weekend at the Lone Star Show, there was a young guy that was vending. I think he said it was only his second show, and uh, he had ball pythons and he had a few colubrids. He sold every colubrid and didn't sell one ball python. Yeah, um, the market's really rough right now for ball python. Everything. But I mean, it, all, uh, the whole reptile industry right now is kind of in a. Well, we talked about it. It's it's post time downs. of year. It's yeah. post COVID money. Yeah. So people aren't having free money. Yep. And, and it's this time of year. People are going mean, to tighten up. September was the worst month I've had since February when we had the freeze, and it was like half of what I normally do in a month. And it was a rough month, um, but still better than a real job. And I think uh, start getting some more of those acrylics out there, and the tortoise tables out there. And start uh, I actually donated that tortoise table to a nonprofit this weekend. That's awesome. Yeah, they uh, they had a Texas tortoise that had been hit by a car. Oh man! And um, they the vet had rebuilt the whole. Is the Texas the tortoise is that in the Gopher family? Is that because I don't like the desert Probably. tortoise is is in the Gopher family. So uh, it's the same thing. I'm sure. And they were keeping it in like a, just a a tub, a tub, and. But now it's got to hide and, th- mm-hmm. and hang the Wayne lights. Started crying. She was so happy. That's awesome. They had an IMG boa this, that they someone had found in a twenty gallon aquarium on the side of the road oh, on damn. a back road, and this thing looked like it hadn't eaten in two years. 
Oh. It was. It, it couldn't even hold on to you. She, like Rachel was holding it, and the snake was like holding a sandboa. It was just like. Oh. So, she's gotten it to eat three. This is a full-grown, you know, probably six-foot boa. That's oh, really? Like this big around. Oh, shit. Eating, all she can get it to eat are mice right now. That's crazy. But she's working on bringing it back to health. And uh, Cheyenne, um, Ian's girlfriend. Yeah. She's claimed it. She's going to get it once it's healthy. Man, that's a shame. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful snake. Mm. But... Somebody just abandoned it in a 20-gallon and no long, no telling how long they had not taken care of it and no telling how long it uh, sat there on the side of the road before somebody found it. Ugh. That's horrible. Um, so, uh, I want to wrap up some things. One, I know I don't push it, and I kind of want to push it a little more because I am trying to grow this network. I mean, I, mean, I don't have the listeners the other networks have, but I the shows that we're wanting to add are simply because the people that want to do them want to do them. Uh, and so we have a Patreon. I know I don't ever push the Patreon. Um, I would greatly appreciate if, if, if anybody could just go to our Patreon and it's the Reptile Gumbo podcast. Um, and, and look, just sign up for like five bucks a month. Help us out. It covers a lot of these, uh, these fees for the website. The hosting websites is really the thing, uh, being able to host all these. That's where it's going to really cost. Um, and it allows us to get some more cameras at some point. We do want to get some more cameras. Uh, we want to be able to travel and do some things uh and be able to get our gear situated a little better patreon would really help and so again i'm not i am begging for money but i'm not begging for money if you don't want to give you don't have to give it's fine uh but one thing is if you listen to podcasts um and and we talked about that if you listen most of these podcasters aren't doing podcasts for a living uh some of the youtubers obviously are the bigger guys they are and they're making money through that but most of these podcasters are getting money through either sponsors or their own pocket to pay for. And it's not, it's not free stuff to be able to do. I mean, we luckily had Wiregrass Exotics help us out with some of our equipment. And we had Chris uh, from Six and the Fat Man help us out with the camera that we have. And so we've had friends out there that are able to help us with that. But if you could just jump over to our Patreon and, and a little bit, just every little bit from a few of our listeners would really help us move forward. Do you have something to say? Uh, I don't want to say it on here. I don't know if he wants to be public. Okay. Not, so. Um, Again, our giveaway. I can't believe only one person's done it. I'm, I'm, I may find somebody else to sign up for me just so I can win the Mando. I just can't hang it up here if I if I win it. But I, I would love to be able to hang that up there. You saw who won the one in the Blake Wilson thing, huh? Mm-hmm. No, Matt Fake. Wow. <laughs> uh, it was it was him and uh, Spicer from DFW Reptarium were bid, and I was like, I'm not even getting in on that. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of, I bids. can't even fucking compete with that. That's speaking funny. of bids, the the painted skull from Tenley. Done by Adeline Robinson. We had Adeline on here uh, a couple episodes ago, two, uh-huh. one episode ago, whatever it was. Um, she did a crystal skull, and then she did a clay uh, snake. I want to say it was a green tree, maybe. Anyways, she did a clay snake around it, going through the eyes, uh, painted the clay snake, um, and then it went into the auction. It got, what did I say, $4,000? $4,000, I believe, uh, Chris Nettles from yep. Sea Serpents. Uh, $4,000. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing piece of art, uh, but everything Adeline does is an amazing piece of art. Uh, if you want some of that, go check out Adeline's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to buy an original from her one day. Actually, I want to commission her to do something. I doubt Rachel will ever listen to this tonight, so I want to get Adeline to do a portrait of Rachel's cat, the old cat that's oh, yeah. you know, going to... The 500-pound cat? She's actually lost a lot of weight. Just a lot of hair. She's yeah. just fluffy. She's very fluffy. 
She's on. Um, I saw her the other day, and I was I, like, "Oh, I've never seen you before I in will all tell you my time being here." Stands on your chest at three in the morning. She's fucking heavy. Uh, but yeah, I want to have her do a portrait of Nala and have it for Rachel. So you know, cool. I, I will also say, uh, I'm a I'm a whore for free stuff. Uh, I love this <laughs> sign. There's this this sign done by Focus. You, you can actually point at it. The camera's not in reverse when your arms on that side. But I love the sign for Focus Cube. Uh, it's one of the best things anybody's ever given me. If anybody else has art, they want us to. I got a wall here that needs. This is his room, y'all. Stuff. This is his room. See, there's there's blank spaces on the wall. I uh, I ordered you a Jessica Bilka catalog. Did you really? Yeah, that's awesome. You are I ordered. horrible at secrets. It wasn't a secret. I oh, just I told you don't let him order one. No, I thought it was until a surprise. I tell him. Is it the new Canova one where they've done all the new pictures? I don't know. It's the one Brittany Gobble posted this weekend. Yeah, I think it's they've. Because they, they, they've known the name change has been coming for a while, so they actually like were able to flip a switch when they changed it, and everything changed overnight with them. Yeah, they did a better job than my fucking bank did. <laughs> my bank switched from, it's been JSC, which is Johnson Space Center, Federal Credit Union, for like 50 years, and became Welby. What? Welby? Yeah, that's what I said. And their logo is like some little purple dots in a circle. Um, oh, God. Apparently, they got a new CEO who's very progressive, and she decided that JSC FCU is not very inclusive. So we're now the well-be financial something, blah, blah, blah. And I paid bills Thursday. And several of my bills, like my gas bill and my water bill, they come out of my bank account, not my debit card. Well, our bank account numbers changed. (gasps) And since they didn't process until Friday, their system has been down since Friday. So guess what? My gas bill didn't get paid and we have no gas right now. Uh, Shit, they, they got to come back out tomorrow and turn it back on. Because, yeah. of course, I wait till the last fucking day to pay it. I mean, but, uh, you're not the only one. But, yeah, it's um, – they did not – I went to the bank this morning because, obviously, yesterday was a holiday because I needed to put some cash in from the show this weekend. And I was there at 8.02. They open at 8. The drive through does. I was there to 8.40. And I was the second one in line because they couldn't get the system to work. Oh. And I checked a little while ago, and that deposit still doesn't show as having gone through, but I have the receipt. There you go. <laughs> if it's not in there in the morning, I'm going back up there in the morning and being like, hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, Canova, Justin, and them did a much better job than, than my bank did. Than week. a bank. And they've been talking about it for six months that we're doing this switch. Not like they just decided two weeks ago to do it. It's been uh, <laughs> months and months. We have to get new debit cards. We have all new account numbers. Our account numbers will Went from seven digits to 17. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I just finally got my new debit card that I got in like March. I changed the numbers. 17 digits for. Yeah. I just got, I just finally got that card number memorized. So now I got to do another one. Tough shit. Now you got to learn a new one. Now I got to learn a new <laughs> one. I'm like, fucking come on people. But see, still- this is why people need to give to our Patreon because we need help. It has nothing to do with our this. Our bank account's a 10 to- number. I don't know that I one I totally either. just counted the numbers on my hand. I don't know that <laughs> one either. Yeah. Yep. I don't know them. I just ask them at the counter. Yeah. Or you text me. Or I text you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like I'm the the good thing is is their numbers. new app is super easy to use. Well that's good. At least and, there's a positive in this. And when you click on it, it I accepted your terms like four times already. <laughs> um, super easy to use. Motherfucker. <laughs> it gives you the account number right there. Oh, well, so, there you go. Yeah. Hey, can you one, show two, the screen? No. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 numbers. 15. Jeez. 
Anyway, and our routing number changed too. Super cool. exciting for all of y'all to hear. I know. Yeah. But uh, <sighs> it's um, a fucking free podcast. You can listen to what we have to say. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but it, seriously. With that being said, though, I, I do have an obligation. So. What's your obligation? I have to go read to our child. That kid can read. She own. has decided that the for the last Harry Potter book in the series that we're going to read it together. And by reading it together, I mean that I'm reading two chapters out loud every night to her you until we that. finish the book. I'm not. Uh, but anyways. Uh, so I got to go do that. when you used to get shot for wearing a mask in the bank? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is true. Uh, so anyways, go check out our giveaway for this month, please. Uh, uh, next week's host, or next week's, uh, guest, guest, I'll go ahead and say it, is going to be Brent Schulz from Venom Life, if, if he remembers and if I can get a hold of him. But, uh, that's who it's going to be. So if you see Brent, just remind him throughout the week, if you see him, that he's got a podcast to do next week. But he is the one that is giving away the amazing mandala, uh, and $50 to the website for anything you want. And again, there's 5 million things on the website you could get. Awesome Christmas presents, too. Yes. So all you or do if is you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever holiday you celebrate. Kwanzaa. Uh, but you can go Festivus over there. For the rest of us. Fe- Festa Kwanzaa Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we actually used to do Festivus at my old job. We had the Festivus poll. We would do the Aryan grievances, the feats of strength. <laughs> like we did the whole thing. It was oh. so much fun. So go over there. Go to, go check out our Facebook page. Please join the giveaway. It's I I, I want to see a lot of people over there trying to win that because it's, it's really awesome. I posted yeah. a picture of it. It's a little frustrating that we try to give away cool shit and nobody, and nobody wants it. Yeah. Unless we make it so easy. Yeah. Like all you have to do is comment on a picture or something. And then they're like, oh, I can do that. That's yeah. boring. Yeah. But boring. So check out next week, week three of Hottoberfest. Uh, we'll have Brent on and it'll be us for two hours trying to get Brent to take a breath so we can talk. And we're not going to tell you how to get hold of us because if you don't know by now on episode 80, yeah. whatever we're on, 86. then we have yeah. issues. Love you, mean it. So, thank you all for listening. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you how to get a hold of us. It's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Oh, and uh, on Patreon. Please, 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 please. I'm begging now, right? Yeah, you are. It's a little pathetic. Shit's expensive. We just talked about it. Shit's expensive. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening, and good night. Bye-bye.